you're listening. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. I've had a wonderful, a wonderfully self-indulgent weekend of travelling to America to experience the midlife crisis that is going to see the monkeys in concert twice, meeting a load of weird and wonderful people. And uh, no doubt I shall bore you with my stories later on. But I'm back. Uh, after a very uncomfortable flight, we might talk about this a bit later on, a very uncomfortable flight, I was sat next to a larger person. And, and, I, don't, and I don't want this to be, hey, aren't fat people funny? Because it's not at all, at all. But I had, I, I'm, you know, I'm a tall person, so I'm kind of crammed in anyway. And to be sat next to someone who was so large and was spilling over, it did... <sighs> It, it ruined it ruined the flight for me, to be honest. And it did kind of make me think, maybe larger people should pay. There should be like a larger people section where they have slightly bigger seats and they pay a seat and a half. They pay price and a half. I don't know. We may discuss that later on. It was a very uncomfortable flight. Lots coming up this morning. Lots coming up this morning, including a Buckinghamshire NHS Trust named as one of 12 hospitals where death rates are worryingly high. High Court challenge to the speed rail link which will run through Buckinghamshire. Do you think it should be scrapped? And the text message is 20 years old. 20 years old today. But it's been, hang on, that was, so hang on, that was 19, I'm trying to do the maths, 1992. I didn't get a mobile phone until about five years later. Well, how did that, why was there such a big gap? Oh, because I had no money. That, that would be it. And phones were very expensive then. I want to know, because we all send such w- wonderfully mundane things. The last text you received and the last text you sent. I'll tell you mine later on. They are as boring as anything. That's all we do. No one sends exciting texts anymore. Uh, you can get in touch with me various ways, including the text. 81333, starting your text 3CR. You can uh, go to the Facebook page if you want. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Uh, there's a picture of me up there holding some of my uh, merchandise I purchased at the weekend. Uh, or you can give us a call. It's the best way. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, hospitals are, quote, full to bursting, unquote, creating a potentially dangerous environment for patients. The data put together by healthcare analysts at the company Dr Foster suggests one of the problems is high numbers of frail elderly patients who should be treated elsewhere. Buckinghamshire NHS Trust has been named one of 12 where death rates are worryingly high. Well, BBC Three Counties reporter Gareth Lloyd has been looking into uh, this for us. Morning, Gareth. Good morning. What can you tell us about these figures? Nice to have you back. Hope you're not jet lagged because there's lots of numbers coming OK, go, go through it slowly with me. Hold now, my hand. The analysts, Dr Foster, they've carried out this research. They say that hospitals should run at about 85% capacity. That gives them room to cope with surges in demand. Mm. And, and figures show that the NHS average is hovering around that mark. But apparently the figure was skewed by quiet periods and, and rose higher if they were stripped out. Now, ministers, though, have denied the NHS is overcrowded and, and said it could it can manage the demand peaks. According to the analysis, if only midweek figures are taken into account, the average capacity figure for 2011 to 2012 was 88%. Mm-hmm. It rose, though, to 90% if holiday periods, such as the Royal Wedding and Christmas, were stripped out of the equation. Uh, Roger Taylor from Dr Foster says uh, there's real stresses daily. What we've found is if you, if you look at, uh, on average, across the whole NHS, things do look okay, but when you start to look underneath those numbers and see how things vary from day to day, you find there are particular moments when hospitals come under a really a great deal of pressure. Sometimes Sometimes they are quite literally full and at that point it's enormously difficult to provide the safe, effective 
caring service that we all want hospitals to provide. Could the NHS do anything about this? Well, well, the analysis argues that if the NHS organised itself better, it could relieve the pressure on hospitals. Dr Foster said 29% of beds were taken up by patients who, who did not necessarily need to be there. Uh, these included more than 10% who had conditions such as asthma and heart disease, uh, which could be treated in the community. And now another 5% were readmissions within a week or discharge, while 2.5% were for dementia. The, the Dr Foster study also included data on death rates as well. What does that reveal? Uh, the study uh, uses four different measures, including deaths after surgery and uh, among those with low-risk conditions to help uh, assess which hospitals uh, are failing outside, falling outside of what would be expected. Uh, a total of 12 trusts down on last year's more than 20 uh, were flagged up as performing worse than expected on two of uh, the, the four measures that I just mentioned. Buckinghamshire NHS Trust is one of them. Mm. Uh, this does not mean services are performing poorly, but instead, the findings act as more of a, a smoke alarm, suggesting something could be going wrong. Gareth, thank you very much for coming in bright and early. Always lovely to see you, sir. Lovely to see you. Where's my merchandise? Yeah, you're not getting any of it. Uh, Panorama's going to be covering more of the Dr Foster report in How Safe Is Your Hospital Tonight? 8.30, BBC One. 08459 555. Can I, can I ask you a question, dear listener? Would you mind? It's a really simple... Pop quiz question, right? Popular culture, it's really simple. Okay, no, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. It's not a trick question, there is no trick, okay? It's, just, it's the answer you think it is. What, what group, what act was the singer Paul Simon in before he went solo? It's not, it, honestly, it's not a trick question, okay? It's the answer that you think, it, it, yeah, it's that. Which group was Paul Simon in before he left and went solo and became Paul, Graceland's Paul Simon? And, and you can call me Al and Julio down by the schoolyard. Now, I tell you I asked that because four members of my team this morning did not know, okay? My producer, Laura, only found out yesterday by watching a Fern Cotton documentary. Fern Cotton is educating the producers at the BBC. Uh, Kelly Betts, who, you know, only found out when I mentioned it today. Work experience, Ollie, I wouldn't, you know, he only found out, but let's be honest, he doesn't know what day it is yet. Uh, Gareth Lloyd, who you just heard there, doing a very serious report, did not know the answer, Okay. He does the, the introducing show on the Fridays, right? He's into music. He did not know, okay? So, I'll ask you the question. Can someone phone up? I want you to phone up and tell me the answer, okay? No prize, just phone up and tell me. Which group was Paul Simon in before he became Paul Simon, the solo singer, you know, with me and Julio down by the schoolyard? All that stuff. It's not a trick question. 08459 455 555. I am I'm genuinely sure, I still think that they're playing a trick on me, that actually they, they did know, and they're, they're just kind of laughing into their coffee. Because nobody, nobody, I thought, could be that stupid. It turns out four uh, highly respected members of my team, well, three of them I respect, one of them I think I always thought was a sausage, uh, d d did not know the answer. 08459 455 555. Just come on air and, and, and just so I don't... It feels like I've been away for the weekend... And I've slipped into a parallel universe where everybody is uh, is a silly sausage. It, it, it shocked me that much. Should we have a quick look at the front page of the newspapers? I've, I've, I've read or seen no news over the weekend. But I can tell you what's happening in America. 
I couldn't actually. I didn't even watch any news in America, so I can't. I can't tell you anything that's happening. The Times uh, taxman targets Google. Osborne to crack down on avoidance scams. Uh, the Independent. <clears throat> Cutting benefits to poorest, a tragedy. Exclusive campaigners warn Chancellor not to freeze uh, welfare payments, and Labour turns the heat on PM over Leveson. Oh, yeah, the Leveson thing came out. I missed, after all that time, I missed out what he had to say. Did, what did he say? Can someone let me know? The Guardian. Hospitals full to bursting as bed shortage hits danger level. We were just talking about that. And MPs go to war over tax as, as Starbucks smells the coffee. I heard that on the radio last night. The Daily Telegraph. Tax hitmen to track your spending. Um, and, oh, it's, oh, you get this every year. There's a picture of some silly women going swimming in a, an icy river. Why? Come on. Be sensible, for goodness sakes. The Mail. £10,000 spent every second, and that's just by my wife. Uh, Christmas bargain hunters are expected to splash out £465 million today. £465 million today, and that's just by my what? I did that joke already. The Daily Express home cover soars due to floods, uh, and the sun has a picture of a lady in a bikini. If you go to the Facebook page, there's a lovely picture of me. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3 I have no idea what's happening to my hair. It's gone all wavy. It's got all, all weird and wait, what's that doing in there? It's getting all chopped off on uh, Wednesday. I'm, consi- I'm considering, these, these are my considerations since having a midlife crisis. Okay, really spotty, so I need to, I need to, I'm going to start eating healthily. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get fit, whatever that means. People say I'm going to get fit. I'm going to get fit. I'm going to get my hair cut short. And I think I'm going to grow a beard. Oh, <laughs> the look of disapproval from my team. You don't know who Paul Simon is. You can't tell me anything. I think I might. These are the conclusions I came to at the weekend. This is what I'm going to do. Seriously, 08459 455555. What group was Paul Simon in before he went solo in the 70s? It's not a trick question. Oh, sorry. I do apologise. How rude of me. I cleared my throat over Roy Orbison. <laughs> how, dis- how disrespectful to the big O. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh, 20 years since the first text was sent. Could you just let me know? Just text in your first and your last text. I'll tell you mine a bit later on. Um, they're, they're normally quite, quite dull. Uh, the last text that uh, Kelly Betts received, who works on the show, do you like my haircut? <laughs> That's the kind of nonsense. And uh, interestingly, the te- last text she sent was to Paul Scoynes, who we're going to speak to in a second. Hey, Scoynesy, nice and early, isn't it? Eh? 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 Yeah, it is. We're having a shuffle and I'd like to talk to you at the 6.20 if that's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's how things get organised here at the BBC. That's, that's how this smooth machine works. Duh. Now, uh, we will speak to Scoynes in a second about this. It's been a while since we last mentioned HS2, but it's, it's rumbling on. The high-speed rail line, which, if it does go ahead, will span through the Chilterns and Buckinghamshire. It's now back in the limelight because from today, a judge will decide whether the government followed the right process when granting permission for the controversial project, which, let's uh, not forget, intends on spending... £34 billion. Residents have already expressed their concerns with the project, and here are just a few of them. I don't think it matters where they put HS2. A country the size of Great Britain doesn't need high-speed rail. We need uh, better net railway networks that are existing, not high-speed. To rip up the Chilterns and the countryside for a world that is effectively bust at the moment is ridiculous. It's just fraught with all sorts of loopholes. Nothing has really been done adequately to justify a project like this. All we hear from the other side is rhetoric. 
they say it will cure the north-south divide. But anyway, if I believe that, I think I would say, OK, come past my garden. Well, our political reporter Paul Scoynes joins me now. Morning, Paul. Morning. Paul, what, what's going to happen next? Well, today what's going to happen is a judge is going to start taking in that evidence, including some of the uh, those sorts of sentiments that we've just heard, and assessing whether or not the government has made the right decision in terms of the way it has made that decision. So has it made a good consultation? Has it uh, looked at the environmental aspects as well? So today we see Buckinghamshire County Council and uh, I think six other councils from our area start to put those arguments to a judge. And over the next nine days, uh, we'll then see the other groups as well. There's a group from Aylesbury Golf Club. There's a group from, uh, I think, uh, the HS2 Action Alliance. They've put two in. So the judge will start to hear those um, those concerns and uh, it's it's believed at the end of that process will make a decision as to whether or not things need to change why isn't the government just going ahead with it why why, why has it been halted well i mean the, the consultation uh, process the protesters say has been flawed they uh, the government hasn't um considered proper alternatives uh, that's that's been their concern and also they say that there hasn't been a, a special environmental assessment as well so when they put these judicial reviews in which are fairly costly they uh, decided that you know they had to stop it so the government then was forced to stop what they were already doing the hs2 limited company had to stop what it was doing and this this now has to be heard so we will now see i suppose whether or not the protesters concerns about whether or not the government's failed to do any of this has actually happened what are the campaigners hoping will happen scrapping the project changing it uh, postponing it probably all three well actually i think more realistically they would prefer the first one Uh, they would like to see this this project completely scrapped completely halted uh they you know they have repeatedly said it it doesn't need to happen more realistically perhaps the the judge may uh come back and say well he agrees with certain elements of the the protesters points maybe on consultation perhaps on environmental impact perhaps on 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 looking at the alternative routes as well which included a, a sort of beefed up west coast main line going up from uh, from Euston up to up to Scotland, um, he can make some sort of very specific sort of changes. He can make some uh, suggestions, which then have to be followed. So I think that's probably more likely out of the two things. I, I doubt, and, and having spoken to some sort of industry experts, I really doubt that they're going to suddenly call a halt to HS2, especially having made a sort of uh, the government having made a fairly embarrassing climb down on the on the West Coast Main Line. You'll remember only a few months ago when Virgin appealed uh, at the decision to to award the franchise to the first group and and the government then uh, suddenly said right we're, we're, we're redoing this whole process now whether or not they redo the whole process that would cost a fortune and as you said mm. it's already you were looking at a bill a final bill of, of probably upwards of 34 billion probably closer to 50 billion if you read Blimey. some people yeah it's a lot of money for a railway so uh, you know that, that those are the main concerns i think today. it's been costly as well hasn't it the, the review for local councils yeah, that's right. I mean, if you if you are in the Buckinghamshire County Council area or Aylesbury Vale, um, South Bucks, where are the others? Three Rivers and Wickham, uh, it, it will probably cost you nine pence. Um, it's costing those councils one hundred and sixty-five thousand pounds, along with uh, f- uh, ten other councils, to to put these uh, the, these reviews together. So, uh, but but the, the you know the the councils say that's good value for money. They say that they will be um, using that money to to fight what they see as an 
and Just Project. Um, they say that, I'm just quoting from their press release here, that they, uh, they, it is the only sense in which the, uh, the, 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 the 51M group, which is leading this, this, this review, and that's, that's 51 million. The, the reason they're called that is they, they say that every single parliamentary constituency in the country will be caught, will be charged 51 million pounds as a result of, of high speed two that's just to give it some sort of national context but they say that that you know they won't know until the end of the case how much it will cost them but they're anticipating 165,000 pounds that's a lot of money for for councils in very cash strapped times Paul coins thank you very much for that we can talk to thomas crane now who lives in south heath and he's one of the people hoping it'll be scrapped morning thomas morning uh, you're also director of the hs2 action alliance you fought hard to get this review didn't you yeah, we did, yeah. We had to raise a lot of money um, up and down the line in about six weeks earlier this year, um, and we did it. And we're bringing two cases um, this week, one about the environment, and in particular the government not complying with some really important environmental laws, and another case about uh, the poor compensation which is, is being offered to people that are affected by the line. What are you hoping is going to be the outcome of this? You, the, 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 do you think they're going to actually stop the whole project? Well, our, on the environmental case that we're bringing, our, our contention is some really important environmental legislation that's been there for years that's designed to protect the environment for everybody hasn't been followed properly. Um, if the court agrees with our contention, then yes, um, they really have to go right back to square one and work out what it is they're trying to achieve and basically work out a better way of doing it. And £34 billion, pounds, it could be as much as £50 billion. Pounds. It's a lot of money. Yeah. How do you think it could be better spent? Almost anything, really. I mean, I think that's the one of the most interesting points about the case for HS2 is getting weaker and weaker um, because people realise that that money can, could be so much better spent in terms of upgrading our transport network across the entire country um, and also upgrading things like our broadband network, our flood defences, which is very relevant. There's just tons of things that that money, if it's really available, could be used for, um, which would have a far better effect for far more communities than, than HS2 offers. Thomas Crane, uh, director of the HS2 Action Alliance, thank you very much. What, what do you think? Do you think it should be scrapped? 08459 455 555. Maybe you think it's, it's an essential boost that we need to kind of kickstart. It's an investment. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Sophie Tyler? Yes. Before you go, right, and I don't want you to answer this question, but I just I want to know whether you do know the answer, okay? Do you know which group the singer Paul Simon was in before he went solo in the 70s? Um... Oh, my goodness. What is going on with my team this morning? Someone who did know is going to talk to us now. Let's get the news and sport with Catherine Boyle. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. I've just seen the text. From, well, it's 20 years since uh, the f- very first text was sent. Who did the first text? I know the first mobile phone... Well, no, was the first text... Was that Ernie Wise? Or did he do the first mobile phone call? Ernie Wise did the first something with mobile phones. Did he send, Maybe he did the first mobile phone call. Who, someone famous must have sent the first text. I know that Reg Varney from On The Buses was the first person to use uh, a cash machine. 
I think Ernie Wise did the first mobile phone call. Who did the first text? And it was 20 years. I- I'm asking for you to send in, if you wouldn't mind, the-, the last text you received and the last text you sent. My producer, Laura, who didn't know the group that Paul Simon came from, the last text she sent, these are, these are good ones, these are proper exciting ones. Have an idea for your folks for Christmas, if they feel up to it. Shania is starting residency at Caesars. Not when we're there. Could get them tickets. Yes, her first show's in eight and a half years. I was quite excited by that. I nearly kissed Shania Twain once. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, suddenly I'm cool again. And the last text that producer Laura received. Honey, I'm really sorry. I don't want to risk coming today as I've been really sick in the night. Feel a bit brighter today, but don't want to risk it. <laughs> now, see, that's good, because I don't know the backstory there. There's so much that could be involved there. What was the last text you received, the last text you sent? Just forward it on to us, please. 81333, starting your text, 3CR. Also, uh, lots coming up in the next hour, including... Uh, bad news if you're travelling south on the M1 from Hertfordshire in Lo- uh, into London today. There is better news for the M1 if you live in Bedfordshire. Find out why very shortly. And do you remember that stinky pong near the Vauxhall plant in Luton? Smell of catwee. Been talking about it for a long time, about, about a week. Have you smelt it? The Environment Agency is going to join us on the programme to explain what they're doing about it. Maroon 5! I never thought I'd be saying those words out loud. Uh, the good and bad news, if you use the M1 this morning. For the first time in three years, there are no roadworks or temporary speed limits on the M1 junctions between 13 and 10. Yay! Ah, there are big problems for motorists travelling southbound from Hertfordshire into London this morning. It's been closed between five for Watford and four for Edgware since 20 to three this morning. Uh, Lynn Stinson is from the Highways Agency. Morning, Lynn. Good morning. The junction's 10 and 13. Does this mark the end of the roadworks completely? It doesn't yet, I'm afraid. There are still some works to continue and some commissioning works and testing of the hard shoulder running systems. So we will still be carrying out works in weekends and in the evenings. Lynn, what's a hard shoulder running system? I've never heard that phrase before. It's a managed motorway scheme is what they're called. And what we do is we use the hard shoulder to um, really give more capacity to the road when it's really busy during peak periods. Right. And just explain a bit more, what other work is there still left to do, this testing of of things? What we have to do to test the system is it's all linked back to our Eastern Regional Control Centre in South Mims, and we have to make sure that all the cameras and the signals and all the signs on the gantries are working correctly. So we have to do some testing and some trialling of the systems before we can actually roll it out fully for people to use, as we did on junctions 10 to 11 in July of this year. Lynn? It's cost £500 million, half a billion pounds. Is it going to be worth the cost? It has, yes. It's, it's more economical than doing a widening scheme, which is what the Highways Agency used to do. It actually gives us the same capacity as a widening scheme would. It will last for 15 years or more beyond the completion of the scheme, which takes us until 2028, which is the same for any other scheme that we would do on a road. Uh, and, and when is everything going to be finished? Have you, have you got a date in your diary that's got a big star around it and saying, yay, thumbs up? It's spring 2013 when everything will be finished. Okay. Obviously, if we finish things earlier, as we did with junctions 10 to 11 earlier this year, we will open them up for traffic so that our road users get the benefit of it earlier. Now, listen, I know it's not your stretch of the M1, but have you got any advice for anybody who, who, who's travelling south and, and is facing these, these uh, road closures on the M1? All I would say is take extra care when using our roads and please obey the signals and signs because they are there to try and help you with your journey. Uh, Lynn Stinson from the Highways Agency, thank you very much uh, for that indeed. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. 
so disappointed this morning with my team. Genuinely disappointed. Uh, where the, Kelly Betts, one of, one of the, the team members, um, said this morning, "What? What other songs as Paul Simon? What, part, what? What songs has Paul Simon done apart from you can call me Al?" And I went through a list of his solo works and then said, "Of course, all of the songs that he did with the group that he was famous with." She went, "Is, is that Paul Simon's? I didn't know." And I said, yes. And then producer Laura, who uh, is not an idiot by any stretch of the imagination, went, yeah, I only found out yesterday. So then I came down and asked work experience Ollie. He didn't know. Then I asked Gareth Lloyd, who's kind of like the music expert of BBC Three. He didn't know. Sophie Tyler didn't know. Bernard's in Aylesbury. Bernard? Yeah, good morning, El Mike. Yeah. Can you believe the, the balloon heads that I'm working with this morning? Well, yeah, because it is very early in the morning. I mean, I'm a little bit thick this morning, like, you know, but my partner, when you asked the question over the radio when yeah. we were having our breakfast, and she said, well, it's Simon and Garfunkel. It's, ladies and gentlemen, it's Simon and it's Garfunkel. That's Paul Simon, Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel, Simon and Garfunkel. But, Bernard, you said that your partner yeah. said that. Did you not know? I didn't know, no, because oh. I'm not up with pop, me old mate. I'm not up with that. <laughs> Uh, names to me, uh, especially celebrities, yeah. uh, I just go, uh, who's that? But, Paul, <laughs> but, but, but Bernard, can I, can I ask you, how old are you, in your 50s? Oh, I'm uh, 75, mate. Oh, well, hang on, you were just like a young 40-year-old when Simon and Garfunkel were at their peak. Oh, well, shall I tell you what I'm suffering with at the minute, well, why I'm up so early? Oh, for goodness sakes, I don't, I don't know if I want to know. Is it going to break the hearts of our listeners? Well, it might do. I'm suffering from motoneuron. Oh, well, they, that's no fun at all, is it, Bernard? No, mate. Is that, and that stops you sleeping a bit, does it? Uh, is that what? It, it, does that stop you sleeping? Is that why you're up so early? Well, no, I've got a doctor's appointment at eight o'clock. A doctor's appointment at eight o'clock, Bernard? Yeah. Have they got no no manners, no humanity in them at all, these doctors? Well, uh, mm, yes, I know, but I'd rather get it over Get it out of the way. Well, listen, I hope the doctor's appointment goes well. And and the good thing about you being up is that you've managed to answer the question. Okay, here's a question, here's a question, Bernard, here's a question. You know Paul McCartney? Yeah. What group was he he in before he became famous? uh, uh, For being, you know, being Paul McCartney, the solo artist? The Beatles, wasn't it? There we go, you see, Bernard? You say you don't know celebrities and names, you know, Paul McCartney? It's the same thing. Thank you, Bernard, in Aylesbury, and I hope the doctor's appointment goes well today. It's the same... Can you believe that five members of my team... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I sent a very rude message from one of them. Can you believe that five members of my team did not know that Paul Simon was Simon from Simon and Garfunkel? They did not know that. I'm going to open up the phone lines this morning for you to confess that that, that something, some huge piece of popular culture that you or your partner, let's be honest, it's going to be your wife, didn't know. It will be, won't it? 08459 455 555. Have you said something to your partner? It's going to be your wife. Because men generally know these things. Have you said something to her? Like, you, you remember Paul McCartney from the Beatles? Paul, Paul McCartney? That way he was in the Beatles. Have they said something where you take, had to take a step back and think, why on earth am I married to this person? They are so overwhelmingly, ridiculously stupid. Sophie, before you start... Yes. Simon and Garfunkel. I, well, I know that now. You know it? How could you not know it then? I panicked and it's very early. It's <laughs> such a bad excuse. Let's have the travel. Away you go. <laughs> Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Sophie. Now let's get a full weather bulletin with Kate Kinsella. Kate, which group was Paul Simon in before he was famous for being Paul Simon? 
Croft, Simon and Garfunkel. There you go, you see. At last, someone Surely. who works on this show who has some <laughs> common sense. Kate, away you go. Thank you. OK, well, this morning's weather. Um, for thank you very much, Kate. And thank you for your road updates on Twitter this morning as well. Oh, I was getting so frustrated. <laughs> yeah, I know. You should follow Kate on Twitter. She was furious with, with the length of time it was taking her journey. <laughs> Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, back after a weekend of uh, indulgence and midlife crisery. Uh, thank you to Justin for filling in on Friday. I'm sure he did an excellent job. Now, have you smelt that awful stinky pong in part of Luton? Make your own jokes up, please. You'll know what we mean uh, if you ever pass by the Vauxhall IBC plant. The Environment Agency has received more than 30 complaints since July. Well, last week, Justin met uh, Peter Junke. He lives in Lalliford Road in Luton. Lucy, you say that you're obsessed by this smell. Just how bad is it round here? It's really bad. Um, you tend not to smell it. I, don't th- I tend to pick my husband up from the airport quite a few evenings a week. But I don't remember smelling it sort of during the summer times. It tends to be this time of year. And it really is... I, was, I couldn't... I wouldn't be able to live down there for absolutely sure. But it just is, smells like cat wee. So 10 out of 10 for, for badness? 10, for sure. <laughs> really? Yeah. Madam, have you noticed a really bad smell around here? Yeah, over by the car factory, the IBC. Just how bad does it get? Really bad, even in the car with the windows and everything up, you can really smell it strong. A lot of people are saying they describe it to cat pee. Would you go along with that? It smells more like fuel, to be honest, like engine fuel or something, but really dirty and strong. When you smell it, it's like, oh, it's absolutely disgusting. Yeah, yeah, bad. Well, here's somebody else who's noticed this bad smell. How would you describe this smell? It smells like cat's pee. That's what it smells like. Uh, I've got two cats, I know. <laughs> and how long has it been going on for? Oh, it's been up there about a year now. It has gradually got worse, yeah. though, definitely. I smell it in the afternoon, we sort of go that way home, and that's when we smell it, about sort of half two, three, half three. But in the mornings, I don't go that way to go and smell it. It's it's a rank, musty... Cat we smell? No, stronger than that. Really? It's, stronger? It's really strong. It's... It's gagging. You you can taste it. It's so foul. Mm. And I think it's wastewater from the plant. It's really acrid. It's nasty. It is it's really acrid. And you know people that have been dropping off their parents around the area, and it's even got into their car, and by the time they get out of their car, yeah. they smell of cat weed. Yeah, yeah it's, it does. It really sticks. Well, I hope you're enjoying your breakfast, dear listener. Huh? How are those uh, eggs and bacon going down now? <laughs> well, Claire Richards is from the Environment Agency. She joins me on the line. Morning, Claire. Good morning. What, what, what's been going on to investigate this? Um, well, we've been attending the area. We, we started off going out with um, environmental health officers as well from Luton Council. Um, we've been going out when we get complaints about this smell, which, yeah, the general theme is that it smells of cat wee. Mm. Um, we've been going out, we've been sniffing the area... And um, the main thing I've been doing is I've been out with the people who live nearby um, because they can tell me this is the smell you're looking for. Um, I've been out, I've I've smelt the smell with the residents and I have um, then traced it back to where I believe it's coming from. Well, before before that, on a scale of 1 to 10, with with 1 being uh, and 10 being, ooh, uh, how stinky would you say it is? Um... In my experience, I've looked after quite a lot of sites that smell, um... I'd say it was. It can be a seven or an eight out of ten. But so that, that's 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 kind of less than that. So so an eight is like a ooh. Yeah, an eight's like ooh. That is quite a strong smell. Yeah. Uh, where is it coming from, Claire? Um. Well, we regulate 
um, IBC vehicles through. They have an environmental permit. And um, so, obviously, I've smelt it downwind of there, and I've never smelt it upwind of there. So I have been to them, and I, I had all their chimneys. I took all their chimneys apart, and I sniffed every single one of them on the roof. So, sorry, and, uh, Claire, hang on, sorry. <laughs> you sniffed all their chimneys? I did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want your job. You've got the coolest job in the world. It is quite cool. Yeah. yeah so you went. So you went. Literally, you went to all of their chimneys and just went. <sighs> oh. Yeah. And um, I did find the smell of the, the residents say is is the cat weed smell coming out of certain ones of the chimneys. Can you make the noise that you do when you do the sniff? How do you sniff? <laughs> no, you just sniff. You don't have to sniff hard. It's so, quite so you, a strong you, smell. You don't go a. You just do a. Yeah. yeah, you want to get an idea of, the, the yeah. sort of you know, what people would smell normally. Because people don't go around sniffing, they just smell it when they're just breathing normally, yeah. don't they? So you found, it's coming from stinky chimneys? Um, well, yeah, the chimneys, though, I believe, li- that, well, I know the chimneys link to, there's an area in the plant where um, the vans go along to be spray-painted by robots, and when the paint doesn't hit the van, it falls to the floor and forms this liquid... And I believe it's this liquid that causes the smell. Okay. Well, how, what can you do? Are you putting pressure on Vauxhall to sort this out? Because it's making people unhappy, isn't it? Yeah, we've, um, we've served an enforcement notice on IBC vehicles back in July. Um, that required them to clean out this area where the liquid collects. And are they doing it? Are they, are they following this order? They, they, have, um, they have taken action to comply with the notice, yes. Okay. Um, I think we recognise, though, that um, more action is needed. Claire, two, two final questions, going off on a slight tangent. What's the best smell you've ever smelt and the worst smell? The best smell? Um, for me, for me, the best smell is, um, you know when it rains and there's a newly tarred road? It's the smell of the tar after a rain. Yeah, yeah, I quite like that. Coffee, bread, that kind of thing's quite nice. And what's the worst smell you smell, Claire? Oh, definitely um, a waste. Sites mm. full of household rubbish that's been there for about five, six weeks. It was bad. Can, can we uh, book you as our smell correspondent? Because I think you're, I genuinely think you're fascinating. Yeah, that'd be cool, yeah. Nice one, Claire. Thank you very much. Claire Richards from the Environment Agency. More important, she's our smell correspondent. What? Seriously, my tongue was slightly in my cheek. But what a cool job is that? You have to go round. You're kind of like a nose detective. You're chasing smells. And she, what a good sport. Thank you, Claire. What, what other shows on the BBC have got their own smell correspondent who works for the Environment Agency? I would say none. I would say none. <laughs> Chimney Sniffers, Ian Lee here, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up in the next hour. As as always, would like your input uh, on some of these. Some of these are a bit light-hearted, some of them quite serious. So have a listen, and I'll give out the contact details in a second. Some hospital wards are overcrowded to the point of being potentially dangerous. You can find out why in the next 30 minutes. Big problems on the M1 going south from Hertfordshire to London this morning. Is it affecting your journey? We've sent our reporter, Gareth Lloyd, to the motorway to find out what's going on. And it's 20 20 years since the first text message was sent. Can you just text in the last message you sent, the last message you received? 81333, start your text 3CR. 
I'll read, out, read them out. You can also give us a call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. I remember when picture messaging came out. That was, um, that was about ten years ago. Ten years picture messaging came out. I remember saying, oh, I'll never catch on. Well, who's going who's to who's want to take a picture then send it to their friend? And a friend of mine said, oh, no, I think it's going to be quite big. I went, ah, don't worry about that. I'm going to keep, keep my phone. I don't want a camera on my phone. Ridiculous nonsense. Boy, oh, boy, was I wrong. Now, this is a big story, very serious. Hospitals are full to bursting, creating a potentially dangerous environment for patients. The data, put together by healthcare analysts at the company Dr Foster, suggests one of the problems is high numbers of frail elderly patients who should be treated elsewhere. Um, Buckinghamshire NHS Trust has been named as one of 12 where death rates are worryingly high. Our reporter, Gavin Lee, has been following the story. Morning, Gavin. Morning, Ian. Uh, How bad does this uh, analysis suggest the situation is? Well, I guess the big worry is, and what Dr Foster's pointing at, is when you get the capacity at such a level, things start to go a little bit wrong, the system goes into overdrive, and the, the government has a basic basic target for all hospitals up and down the country, 85% capacity, which gives hospital managers room to cope with you know, surges in demand, all of a sudden if people come into A&E, hospitals can cope. What this report says is for 48 weeks of the year, uh, hospitals on average across the country are 90% full, and at winter, capacity levels get to 95% full and the crux is well on a minimum level you have patients you know waiting a long time to either get treated or before the call bell is answered you have a shortage of space so you have patients being moved from ward to ward not getting actually the specific um, support that they need um, frail and elderly patients not getting the support and help they need at meal times and then you have discharge planning uh, with this report says going wrong where hospitals who are desperate to free up beds turf out ultimately people before they're ready or before there's good enough community support in place and that's ultimately um, I suppose a minimum level what can go wrong then you've got the bigger stress on, on operations if, if, if hospital times aren't kept and managers and people are overworked. This report seems to show that depending on where you are yeah. depends on your chances of, of proper treatment and, and Buckinghamshire NHS Trust is, is one of the, the, the 12 with worryingly high mortality figures. Yeah, this is clearly a concern um, for Buckinghamshire NHS uh, Healthcare Trust because, you know, there are 12, if you will, in some degree, named and shamed here as having this figure. This, you know, there are four target areas that are measured as, as more for mortality rates, and for two of these areas, Buckinghamshire Healthcare Trust ha- were exceeding the figures. Now, it's very hard to know ultimately what's causing the higher mortality rate. The government is saying it is to investigate these 12 separately. They they do need to be um, looked. At. But there's a separate argument here as well, which is that, you know, you and which is some of the healthcare groups are saying, where you, if you want to look for, I don't know, a good hotel in your area, you and I can go on the internet and find that. If you want to look in, for a hospital where you want to be treated and think, you know, where can I go that I know there'll be better treatment? Should there be a similar hospital list? Should transparency be better to do that? And this would, this certainly supports those calls, but there are others adversely that would say, well, hang on a minute, what happens to that um, badly performing trust or group? Does that start? to go downhill from there so that's something that the government's being urged to consider as well gavin thank you very much gavin lee it's interesting yes there has been calls for a kind of trip advisor based around hospitals would that be any good would that help uh uh, around about eight o'clock just after eight o'clock i'll be speaking to the medical director for the buckinghamshire healthcare trust Text 81333. Start your message with 3CR. Text charged at the standard network rate. This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
<laughs> You've been sending... This is, I knew this would be good. You've been sending in your first and... The, the, the last text you received and the last text you sent. This is to uh, celebrate, if we can celebrate, 20 years of texting. Imagine a world, kids, right? There are kids now who have never been in the world but there wasn't texting. We used to have to phone people up and leave, leave notes for them if they weren't in. Or write them letters or, you know, speak to people. Now it's all texting. Mega lols. Ruffle. Um, Anonymous says, my last text sent uh, was last night. We can meet up and give you the flask for Pete. Now, that could just be just, just be a, a flask full of tea that, that Pete will be taking to work or fishing or something. Or it could be a highly toxic flask full of poison. It's probably the tea. But you can read all of these backstories into it. And from the same person, my last text received... Think so, mate. The girls have not got off it. <laughs> Thinks so. this is the last text received. Sorry, I've, I've just read I've just I've seen this. Think so, mate. The girls have not got off it since you installed it. So I'm thinking it's all good. Cheers. Colon. Close bracket. Uh, and if you turn your head sideways, it looks like a smiley face. Now, that could be any number of things. I'm guessing it's probably like a Wii or an Xbox or something. It could be anything. But uh, and Sam in Bedford says last text sent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, my mind is working overtime here. Just spooning it in my mouth at the moment. Pecora's not cooked yet. <laughs> and the last text received... OK, Tar, we'll check later. Kiss, kiss. That's from Sam in Bedford. Could you... The last... This is more fun than I thought it would be. Mainly because my mind is, is uh, um, somewhere in the gutter. If you can just send in the last text you've received and the last text you've sent, I'll do mine later on. Mine are nothing compared to this, this, this wonder, this majesty of yours. 81333... Starting your text 3CR and just forwarding the last text you sent uh, and the last text that you received, please. Uh, and uh, we'll have some fun. 20 years since the text, the first text was started. It turns out it wasn't sent by a celebrity. It wasn't Ernie Wise. It was um, a, a technician. So a boffin in a lab coat got to have the fun with that. Who in fact, I, I, I tell you, I'm not a fan of the mega lols and the ruffle. And the LMA, uh, LM, uh, laughing, LMAO, LMFAO. I hate all of that nonsense. Use words. I still use full stops in texts. Oh, yeah, I'll use full stops. I'll use uh, the punctuation as best I can when I'm doing that. And anyone that. I did send a text once that said lol to someone, right? Thinking that it would make me look cool and trendy. And they just wrote back going, what? Y- you're nearly 40. So, yeah, don't do that. Some people, because lol means laugh out loud, okay? We know that. David Cameron knows that now. It doesn't mean lots of love. It means laugh out loud. But some people, when they're live in a situation, I've seen it happen. They'll be with people and they'll go, lol. No, laugh out, laugh out loud. If it's funny, don't say lol. Actually make the laughing out loud noise, which is, huh. Now, the HS2 plans for a high-speed rail line which will span across the Chilterns and other parts of Buckinghamshire will be investigated with a fine-tooth comb from today. The judicial review will look at the proposals set out by the government and will check they followed the right process when granting permission for the controversial project. It's a last shot at trying to prevent the scheme from going ahead. Well, Jessica Simpson is a resident of South Heath near Great Missenden. Morning, Jessica. Hi, good morning. What are your feelings about the proposal? Um, well, I've been against it from the beginning. Um, it's uh, a proposal which has really not been thought through properly, um, and uh, there's, there's no business case for it. Uh, the return on the investment from the government really just isn't good enough. Um, the environmental impact uh, is shocking. It's an absolute scar across the Chilterns 
um, and will be as it continues up towards Scotland if they ever actually do do that part of the, uh, the proposal. Um, so all in all, I, I've been against it from the beginning. It's all gone quite uh, quiet on the HS2 front until this review. As a resident, have you heard anything in the meantime? There's been lots of work, in actual fact, going on. Um, so uh, HS2 Action Alliance, which is the national voice of those opposing uh, the HS2, it stands for about 70 local groups up and down the route. HS2 Action Alliance have been working tirelessly in the background. Um, they've been at uh, the uh, Lib Dem Party Conference and the Conservative Party Conference. Um, they've been meeting with politicians. They've been working, uh, as you can imagine, in Enormously on the legal case. So now, now is our moment. Now is our moment to uh, hopefully show the government that this is the wrong, the wrong job. Jessica, wrong... what are you, what are you seriously hoping to get from this review? Are you, are you, do you seriously think that the whole plan could be scrapped? I think it, it's not impossible that the whole scra- plan could be scrapped. Um, but I think what's more likely um, is that the government will be shown not to have done its due diligence. And really, you can't ask for more than that. It's exactly the same as the West Coast Mainline, when that was looked into by judicial review, uh, when that was all heading towards uh, its day in the court, the government were forced to confess that actually they hadn't done the right uh, processes uh, and due diligence to put that, um, that through. So at that point... You know, they had to take a back seat and say, no, we, we did it wrong. I think that that is very likely with HS2 as well. There are lots and lots of areas for concern. Um, and, uh, and hopefully, you know, these judicial reviews will, will reveal that to the public as well as to the government. Jessica, thank you very much. 08459 455 555. What, what, what do you think? Should it be scrapped? Can we get anybody to phone in and say, actually, do you know what? I, I think HS2 is a brilliant idea. I think it's a cracking idea. I don't think I've spoken to a, an inverted commas normal person, and by that I mean, you know, a member of the public who's not the government exec or something, that, 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 that seems to think it's a good idea. Can, can we, if you think, <clears throat> excuse me, HS2 is a cracking idea and you think all these naysayers and nimbies should just uh, go and keep quiet somewhere, could you give me a call? You'll be given priority. There's a few free lines. 08459. <clears throat> Excuse me, frog in my throat. We have sent our reporter, Gareth Lloyd, to go and cover the M1. I really do wonder the kind of people I'm working with this morning. I didn't know who Paul Simon was. He was in Simon and Garfunkel. And then Gareth has just tweeted, handbrake on, engine off. Maybe you shouldn't have driven down the M1 to report on the M1 being closed. Of course you shouldn't have driven down there, Gareth. We'll speak to Gareth later on in the show and find out exactly what's happening. So, the, the, the last text you sent <clears throat> and the last text that you received, 20 years since that, I'm, I'm, you can tell I'm filling, it's because I'm just turning my phone on. I should have realised I should have turned my phone on during that, that uh, trail, because I'm going to read you the last text I sent and the last one I received. Very dull. They're not to anyone famous. I've not been texting, you know, the, the, the Ricky Gervais or Paul McCartney or anybody like that. One's to my brother-in-law. Um, here we go. Right. So the last text I sent was to my brother-in-law, Ivan. Okay. And I'm, I'm going to do, I'm doing Christmas today. The, Chris, the Christmas shopping is, uh, is, is going to start today. So I've sent him a text saying, what have you got off Joe's list? I'm going to buy all my stuff today. That's it. Kind of quite boring. And uh, look, I can't seem to open the, my received texts. And the other text is, uh, is one I received, because when I was in New York, I met some wonderful, wonderful people. If you notice, I've been kind of quite reserved, and I've not really been banging on uh, about it. But uh, I met some wonderful people, including 
um, uh, a lovely couple uh, called Katie and Richard, who very kindly gave me a lift from a venue back into back to near my hotel, which was wonderful. They've, they've, the last text I received was, you're very welcome, Ian. Hope you had a safe trip back to the UK. I'll post a Facebook console update after tonight's show. Cheers, Katie and Richard. Kiss. That's what I'm talking about. Yours are much more exciting and better than that. The, the last text you sent, the last text you received, if you wouldn't mind, please. 81333, start your text, 3CR. The HS2 plans for a high-speed rail line which will span across the Chilterns and other parts of Buckinghamshire will be investigated uh, starting from today. The judicial review, you try saying that this time in the morning, will look at the proposals set out by the government. Well, veteran campaigner Richard Pill is from uh, Bedford. Morning, Richard. Good morning. Is this going to make any difference at all, really, or are you just stalling the inevitable? Well, I hope that, and I'm very pleased that there is going to be a judicial review. Um, You know, we've had a lot of these new big projects thrust on various communities in one guise or another, and ongoingly so, including, of course, the airports, um, but even down to a more parish level of uh, sort of like block development in town centres. You know, if we drop a load of shops or something in a prestigious place like uh, the River... Um, you know, that will turn things around. But obviously, if it drains other shops or, uh, you know, we're only moving the deck chairs around. And I think we do need judicial reviews to say, oi, are we playing fair? Are we being honest? Are people at the centre of our planning? And what's what's your kind of case, Richard? Is it, is it about asking whether people have been effectively consulted? Well, I mean, from an environmental point, obviously, I, you know, support the idea of prote- protecting the countryside, um, the concern that the Birmingham Post, for example, was talking about 400 um, responses being mislaid, um, you know, in the consultation on HS2. Uh, again, £32 billion pounds, uh, is a lot of money when everyone's being talked about cuts and austerity. Um, you know, and also this whole model of doing things whereby it seems that there's been a kind of contract agreed and then we have the consultation, you know, that really gets people upset, I think. Is this a last-ditch attempt, Richard? If this doesn't have any effect, is it all over? Well, it's sad, um, because I think, from my own personal view, I'd rather have a railway than more internal air flights or motorway uh, widening, which is, of course, the other elephant in the room. But, really, what I prefer is government to say to each region... Uh, there is a hole in the network on domestic rail links. Which one would you prefer if you had a chance? Could we divert some of the £32 billion in resources to more local rail networks being restored, like Oxford to Cambridge, for example, via Bedford? Richard, thank you for that. Let's go now to Martin Tett, who's leader of Bucks County Council and chair of the 51M Alliance, a group of councils opposed to these plans. Morning, Martin. Morning there. How are you doing? Why are you doing this? What, the judicial review? Yeah. Well, because fundamentally we think the way in which the government has made its decision is flawed. It's very clear they haven't followed the law in the way that they've made the decision, and uh, they need to be held to account for that. So what are you hoping will happen? That that they'll apologise for for not following the rules, but, but, but carry on regardless, or stop the whole project? Well, clearly we're opposed as an alliance to the project in principle. And if I can just comment on your question to the last gentleman, you know, our opposition as councils is fundamentally based on the business case. It's very, very poor value for money to spend £34 billion of hard-pressed taxpayers' money at a time like this to save what is, in effect, 20 minutes on the journey time to Birmingham. There are far better uses for doing that. So... 
fundamentally we're opposed on the business case, but when you come to the outcome from this, it's about process. This is actually saying the government didn't follow the legal process to reach its decision. If the judge finds in our favour, he will ask them to redo that process and put it right. That could take two years. What we hope is in the intervening period, the government will look at this whole project again, realise there are better alternatives, far cheaper alternatives, um, and dump this scheme and go for some of the alternatives. Will they realise that, though, Martin, or are you just putting off the inevitable? If, 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 if they have to kind of reapply again and do it all and it takes a couple of years, are they, are they really going to go, well, actually, maybe we should, we should come up with something else? Well, a lot can happen in two years. Yep. Um, you know, events, dear boy, events, as somebody once said. You know, there are enormous pressures, I think, on the government on finance, as we're going to find out this week with the autumn statement from the Chancellor. Um, when you hear the Chancellor talking about, you know, a billion here, a billion there, you know, sooner or later that adds up to serious money. And this is £34 billion worth of taxpayers' money. That's a phenomenal amount that could be invested in other infrastructure projects around this country. Well, speaking of taxpayers' money, Martin, how much is it costing uh, you to, to launch this, this case? Well, across, uh, we've got 15 authorities who are taking part in this. We've currently spent, between the 15 authorities, £164,000. That actually works out at less than nine pence per head for the residents in our counties. And we think that's actually pretty good value for money when you look at what the government is spending, which is over £800 million of taxpayers' money. Well, it's it's good money if it, if, it, if it stops it and if it's effective, but if it just stalls things, then it, it could be considered a waste of money, couldn't it? No, I don't think it can. I mean, we, if well. councils don't stand up for their residents at times like this, why on earth are we here? You know, quite frankly, the central government is spending so much on this, it's like a David and Goliath. How can ordinary residents be expected to fight that sort of expenditure? I mean, 800 million. I mean, that's a phenomenal amount of money to spend on enormous numbers of staff, consultants, uh, spin doctors, and so on, on behalf of the government. You know, local authorities have got to stand up for their residents at times like this. Martin, thank you very much. Martin Tett, leader of Bucks County Council. Uh, Well, later on in the show, we'll be speaking to the chief exec of uh, HS2. What questions do you want answers uh, from her? You can uh, get in touch, 08459 455 555. I do do think it's a flawed argument when um, people say, well, it's only nine pence per person. Yeah, mm, yeah, but... Yeah, but it's, it's actually, when you add it all up, it's quite a lot of money. And it's, it's nine pence for this, and then it's, what, seven pence to have the Queen, and then it's 15 pence to have the police. Yeah, it, it doesn't really quite work like that. I think it's a little bit unfair uh, to break it down. Do you think that HS2 is a good idea? I would love to speak to you, because I, I don't know. Listen, it doesn't affect me. I don't live near it, so I, I, I'm, I don't really know either way. Do you think it's a good idea? Do you think that everybody who's having a little bit of a whinge is just one of these nimbies and they should just kind of, you know, grow up a bit? This is, we, we need this kind of thing. 08459 455 555. Or maybe you think it's an absolutely awful thing and you, uh, you want to stand up and, and be counted. 08459 455 555. Uh, texts, last text you sent and last text you received. 20 years to the day since the first text uh, was sent. Um, Vic has texted in, last text received. Thanks, you've just topped up, uh, topped up by £10. Now you've got £10.59 credit. <laughs> yeah. And the last text sent, uh, 3CR, oh, this is to us, Justin. Five-minute track, simply the best, Tina Turner. <laughs> well, hang on, that was Saturday, Vic. You've not sent a text since Saturday. And the last, that means the last two texts you've sent were to Three Counties Radio. Have you no friends, Vic? Uh, texts. Um, uh, these were the last texts sent, okay, from various people. We don't know who they're from. Uh, this last one. Oh, I don't know. Bet it made his eyes water. <laughs> 
Now, that's brilliant, because that's written in the way that it would be spoken. Oh, I don't know. Bet it made his eyes water. Um, here's a text. School hamster just escaped. Colon, uh, oh, what's that? Oh, is that like, it's like an open mouth. Oh, oh. School hamster just escaped. Oh. We were in the living room and saw her dive under the sofa. How she got out, got down and out into the kitchen hall and so is, so on is anyone's guess. Now quarter, back behind bars. Phew. You all lead such exciting lives. Uh. Oh my God, I can't read this last night. It's the saddest text ever. It's the saddest text ever. This is so a couple that have just split up. This is what I'm reading into it. On that type of parting, I could not face you tomorrow. I have decided to go on my own tomorrow. Thank you. We'll be fine after a couple of days, I'm sure. Lol. XXX. So sad. So sad. Dude, this is brilliant. Do you send in your, your, the last text you sent, the last text you received. 81333, start your text 3CR. Now, we've been talking about this, it feels like years. I've only been here for a couple of months, but it feels like we've been talking about this before I even joined here. On Wednesday, it's happening, it's happening, it's happening. On Wednesday, BBC Three Counties Radio is staging a reunion. The reunion of the century. It's not the surviving members of the Beatles. It's not even Brian Poole and his tremolos. It's an AstroTurf reunion. Luton Town played on the plastic pitch from 1985 to 1991. 21 years on, we'll be looking at what happened to the famous and controversial pitch. If you have a piece of this historic green plastic thing, bring it along to the Lucy Sports Park in Luton from 7.30. Lucy Sports Park, Wednesday, Luton, 7.30. Ex-players and fans will be talking about their memories and we might try and arrange a little bit of a kick around on it. Tune into this programme on Wednesday to hear the reunion. Kids... Yes, 7.30 in the morning. Thank you, Ollie. It it doesn't get much more exciting than this, kids, unfortunately. So, Wednesday, it's happening. Across beds, hearts and bugs, this is BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. Busy morning. Busy, busy morning. Lots coming up, uh, including... It's 20 years since the first text message was sent. I, I want you to send to me, without any explanation, the last text you sent and the last text you received. Some of them have been fantastic. 81333, starting your text, uh, 3CR. And also we'll be getting the update on Strictly Come Dancing. Yeah, that programme's still on. We'll be talking to one of our Strictly kids uh, a little bit later on uh, and finding out exactly what happened over the weekend. Well, as you've been hearing, the M1, it's closed southbound on the M1 this morning. There's been an accident between Junction 5 Watford and Junction 4 Edgware. And there's congestion uh, back to Junction 6 Bricketwood. uh, That'll get worse this morning. Well, our reporter, Gareth, Lloyd has, uh, well, he's been stuck in the traffic with you this morning. Well, it seems like for the last hour or so I've been sitting on the M1 uh, southbound, uh, heading towards London. Uh, The traffic started building up at around 6 for Watford North. The accident is between 5 and 4. So the traffic I'm sitting in is solid uh, from 6 to 5 as they filter cars off of the M1. Uh, The M1's closed uh, due to an accident. Investigation work is taking place as we speak. Uh, Between Junction 5, that's for the A41, that's Watford South, and Junction 4, that's for Edgware. Now, it's been closed since about 2.40 this morning after an accident uh, which was uh, about half a mile south of Junction 5. 
Um, northbound carriageway was closed for a time, but that's now fully reopened and cars uh, running very uh, smoothly on the northbound side of the M1. But at the moment, we're hearing that uh, the southbound side uh, could stay closed until mid-morning this morning. We're hearing about 11 a.m. Uh, before they reopen uh, the southbound side of the M1. So between 5 and 4, the M1 closed southbound here on the M1. And a lot of people sitting in a lot of heavy traffic this morning, disrupting their commute into London. If you're stuck in the traffic, well, you give us a call if it's safe to do so. Get your passengers to give us a call and just have a, a little chat. Maybe we, can, maybe we can entertain you while you're stuck in that horrible, horrible traffic. If, you, if you're stuck on the M1 and your engine's switched off, give the phone to the person you're with and get them to give us a call. 08459 455 555. Wickham Hospital is now investigating the circumstances which led to a woman with a history of heart attacks being repeatedly turned away. Uh, Becky Evans Woodward was advised to call an ambulance from the car park. Yeah, she's turned up at the hospital and they said, oh no, could you go, go to the car park and call an ambulance? It was the only way she would be admitted. We've uh, been told it was a procedure the hospital takes, but could it have been a matter of life or death? Well, consultant in cardiology at High Wycombe Hospital, Pierce Clifford, can give us his expert opinion. Morning, Pierce. Good morning to you. Is it a common practice to leave a patient with a heart rate of over 180 beats per minute for an hour and a half? No, it's not a common practice, and I'm afraid this one individual occasion was down to uh, human error. It wasn't really a, a, a protocol to do that, as one would expect, uh, but there was, a, there was a human error, unfortunately, on this occasion. Quite a significant human error, though. You would have thought that, that a nurse or someone would have had the common sense to say, well, no, don't, don't come into the hospital and we'll get you seen quite quickly. We are a, a, a cardiologists. No, I think that's exactly right. I think the, the, the general policy is that because uh, we have no formal A&E at Wickham anymore, but we do expect still to see heart attack and stroke patients, that patients uh, would normally be heralded by the GP ringing us in or the ambulance service telling us that they were coming. But we have to use our common sense, obviously. And if a patient does come up and knocks on the door and says, I think I'm having a heart attack, then you're absolutely right. And, uh, and uh, hopefully a doctor should see them and check whether they are or not before they advise them where the best place for them to go is. Do you think that's one of the problems, not just there, but, but generally with the Pierce, that we seem to be losing common sense, we seem to be losing the ability to, to read a situation and, is, and, and ignore the red tape and protocol and just, go, and, and, and just act on common sense? I think on this one occasion you're absolutely right. What do you think needs to change? Well, I think now uh, that was before we'd made the, mo- the, the very recent changes. The very recent changes, we would still prefer the patients to either go to their GP or call an ambulance uh, because then we know they're coming because we don't actually have A&E staff anymore. We just have cardiology and stroke staff there. But, as I say, if a patient does turn up and they think they're having a heart attack, then, of course, we will see them and we will try and, we'll try and help them to the best of our ability. I think the protocols we've written now are, are much more secure and, actually, in the last two weeks since the new unit's been opened, it's been highly successful. We've processed a lot of patients. Mm all appropriately, all brought in by the ambulance service or by their GP. They've got amazing service, seen within five minutes of arriving, which never used to happen. So I think things are on the mend. I think we need to be positive if we can be. OK, Pierce, stay there, um, because we've got um, Alvin Evans-Woodward, who is the uh, husband uh, of Becky. Morning, Alvin. Good morning. Does that make you feel any better, having heard that? Um, well, I mean, if they've changed the policy and procedures that allow somebody who's having um, palpitations, heart attack, stroke and a local to the hospital quicker than an ambulance to come, then it's all good. If they can, you know, if they've taken in walk-ins, um, 
then, yeah, I mean, it, it's got to be better, hasn't it? It's, you know, they're not turning us away anymore. It sounds like it was, it, 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 according to Pierce, that it's, it was a lack of common sense. It was someone getting caught up in protocol when they should have, you know, just acted uh, a bit more sensibly. Uh, and it ain't going to happen again. Um, yeah, OK, I mean... Are you confident in that? You don't sound it. Uh, well, I mean, how confident can you be when you've been through what we went through? Mm. Um, you know, it's in, unless you try and test it, it's, you're not going to know, are you? Well, let's hope you don't have to test it, because that would be awful. Pierce, is there anything you can say to, to, to put Alvin, who's obviously had his fingers burnt, is there anything you could say to put his mind at ease? Well, I've, I've actually had quite a long telephone conversation with him, apologising for what actually happened in his, and his terrible experience. But what I can say is that over the last two, two weeks since we changed the system, we've had three people who had had a problem in the car park, all of whom have been brought in. One actually, one lady was actually having an epileptic fit, which was obviously not a stroke or a heart attack, but we used our common sense, we brought her in, we stabilised her, and then we sent her to Spoke Mandel after she was stabilised. So I think I can absolutely promise you that we are mindful that that was a terrible experience and that we are def- we're desperately keen it never happens again. Piers, can, can I just say thank you for, for listening to, to um, you know, complaints like this and, and acting on it quite quickly? Because it doesn't seem to happen very much these days, so, you know, well done for that. Well, I think we have to, I think we have to acknowledge that whilst the NHS often provides a very good service, cock-ups happen like any other system, and we, when, they, when they do happen, we have to apologise and adjust our procedures to make sure it doesn't happen again, hopefully. Piers Clifford, thank you very much. Consultant in cardiology at High Wycombe Hospital. Uh, Alvin, how's Becky doing? Is she all right? Yeah, um, you know, yeah, she's getting there. Yeah. You know, it did knock her for six. Um, but like I said, she's having tests and bits and pieces from the hair field. And hopefully we'll get to the bottom of it and well, uh, won't need the hospital. Well, exactly. Fingers crossed you won't need that again. And, and, and the, the very small plus in, in this horrible thing that's happened is it, it looks like that you and, and Becky have uh, affected some sort of change in the hospital policy. So, you know, that, that's some light. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's good, but it's the, the experience... The experience doesn't weigh no. outweigh any policy and procedures. Of course, um, it doesn't. You know, but if they've changed it and it and it works, and people are not are going to be able to turn up at the hospital and be seen, um, then that's all good. Well done. Listen, Alvin, send our best to Becky. Hopefully, you think everything will be all right. Across beds, hearts, and bugs, this is BBC Three Counties Radio. The show Strictly Come Dancing is still on. I don't watch it. I don't watch it. Uh, but the, the, the people dancing, I don't, it does very, very little for me. I don't need to watch it because I've got a team of young Strictly Come Dancing correspondents, all under the age of 10, who watch it for me. This morning, we're speaking uh, to Kiana, who is 10, and Sienna, her sister. We'll go to Kiana first. Morning, Kiana. Good morning. You sounded surprised. Yeah. Well, well, now you sound miserable. Make your mind up. Why, why were you surprised? You knew I was coming to you, didn't you? Yep. All right. You, you going to be a bit stroppy this morning? Nope. What did you do this weekend, Kiana? Uh, we I went, went to New York. I went to New York. I went to New York. Oh. Sorry, go okay. on. Sorry, go on. What did you yeah. do? What did you do? Uh, yeah, I went we to went New York to- in America on an aeroplane. I had burgers for breakfast. We, we know to see the monkey. Yeah, saw them twice. Saw them twice, right? I had, um, I was only there for three days. I had two burgers while I was there. I got ripped off in a Greek restaurant. That's by the by. Um, I went in yellow cabs. Uh, I walked down Fifth Avenue and Broadway. And, um, I had one of those uh, cups of coffee. They kept filling it up whenever it was empty. And I had the like, chips for breakfast one day. Chips for breakfast. I thought we were here to talk about Strictly. No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to show off to you. 
okay. When was the last time you had chips for breakfast, Kiana? I have no idea. Yeah, it's never happened, has it? It's never happened. I did it at the weekend. I could have done it twice if I wanted to, but I ran out of money. Okay, that's amazing. All right, I'm, Sienna better be impressed. All right, okay, tell us about Strictly Come Dancing. What happened? Michael and Natalie went out. Who's Now, who are they? I don't know who the, those people are. He's, he's Michael is a cricketer. Okay, right, and Natalie is the dancer. Did they deserve yeah. to go out, Kiana? Were they rubbish? Well, actually... They, they weren't rubbish. They were good, but they, I think they knew it was their time to go out. Yeah, yeah. Who was the uh, Who was the best? Um, Lewis and Flavia. They 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 um knocked Denise and James off the top. Oh, I saw a picture of them in the paper today because Lewis it, it looked like he was falling on his back. Or he did an amazing little move or something, didn't he? Oh, uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You did watch it, didn't you? Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, and who uh, who do you who do you think is going to win now? Who's who's your favourite? Um, Lewis and Flabby is my favourite. Yeah. But I'm not sure they actually win it. Okay. Can I, can I ask you a question? Yeah. You, have you heard of the singer Paul Simon? No. Okay. We'll leave it there. Can I speak to Sienna, please? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. That's that kind of attitude that has led to broken Britain. Yeah. Sure. Whatever. I could hear that. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Shouted out by a ten-year-old. Sienna, are you there? Yes. Oh, hello, uh, hello yes. Sienna. How are you? I'm good. And where's Danny? You mean Tracy Baker? Yeah. Who, who you, you mistakenly heard? You apparently heard me promise that I was going to sort it out, and um, I didn't. Hang on a minute. I can. Uh, Ollie. Uh, Ollie is sorting this out. Ollie, get on the microphone. Ollie is my work experience uh, and part of my team here. Uh, Ollie is uh, sorting out getting Tracy Beaker, aka Danny, onto the show. Uh, Ollie, could you explain to Sienna the latest on this, please? Well, when... Oh, hang on. Why can't we... You're, come on to this mic. There's a green mic over here. Come come round. Come round. I think it's this one that works. So what's the latest? Well, when people get very famous, they have irritating people called agents and people that deal with PR. And yep. they're being a bit tricky. I'm trying my very best. Well, no, OK. Sienna, Sienna, start crying. <laughs> yeah, you did that, Ollie. You did that. We'll clip that and I'll send that to her people. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Sienna, we will do this, actually. Sienna, can you do, like, a really long cry and beg for her to come and talk to you? OK, so a count of three. Long cry and beg. One, no, one, two, three. <laughs> and say, say her name. Say her name. Sienna, we, 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 Ollie, thank you for your... Can, can you clip that and send I'll, it off to I'll her? clip that and send that in. Yeah, beautiful. It's, it's, Sienna, it's a done deal. Very quickly, because well, we're running out of time, we've just had you crying for three minutes. What did you think of the programme? I did. <laughs> what did you think of Strictly Come Dancing? Oh, I thought it was really good. Excellent. <laughs> That's all we've got time for. Sienna and Kiana, thank you so much. Excellent sports. We're working on it. We're working on it. 20 years since the first text was sent, and you've been texting in your, the last text you sent and the last text you received. I'll do some of those in a second. On the Facebook page, Jai Moss has uh, posted, My first cell net phone was analogue and had a pull-out aerial. Cost a blooming fortune to run. I loved it. No silly apps to take up my life, just a phone. You know the, the early mobile phones, the aerials? You know the aerials did nothing? 
This is true. They didn't do anything. They were just put there. This is absolutely true. And if, if there are any boffins listening who can verify this, they were just put there because they thought that people wouldn't buy them. They wouldn't trust them if it didn't have an aerial. So the aerial was connected to nothing. You just pulled it out. It had no effect on the quality of the phone call at all. It was just a bit of plastic put there to trick you. That's true. I'm sure that's true. Can we get a, a, a technical person to phone in? Otherwise it becomes fact. Uh, the, the last message that was uh, sent, this is uh, from Kate in Hitchin. The last text sent was, Thank you, it just needs sticking together and a weightlifter to carry it. Don't let your mum see the photo. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful? I don't want to know the backstory to any of these because it makes it all the more mysterious. The last text that Kate received is, Hey, yeah, is it okay for someone to crash? If you're asleep, don't worry. Um, now, look, I, I'm assuming that these are last messages sent. I don't quite know, so we're going to assume they're sent. The main kitchen, the bistro staff canteen. Hi again, Justine. It wasn't the stripper that you played. The one I'm on about is called Patricia the Stripper. It's from Jackie and Hitchin. What, what, what a mucky... What, what do you get up to, you lot? Um, lovely here, sunshine and kids playing in the sand, lots of people in the sea. Wish you were here. Oh, they've sent a, a, a text postcard. If I don't send, if I go abroad, and when my mum, I don't think I told my mum I was going to New York, when she finds out I went and I didn't send her a postcard, I will get such a rollicking. I really will. Even though I was only there for two full days, I will get in so much trouble. Uh, what happens tomorrow morning as I book that time off work to go with you? Please let me know. ASAP, B, please. ASAP, please. As soon as po- oh, yeah, okay. Hi. <laughs> Hi again, Justin. Oh, no, we've had that one. Uh, last text received. Your taxi is outside. Getting into the right vehicle means you are properly insured. Uh, my wife slipped on the ice going down the garden path this morning. She must be freezing. She's been lying there for ages. Keith, for goodness sakes, go and help the woman. Two texts in, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. And oh, most of you, it would seem, do not use this awful... The text speak, the lols and the ruffles and the LMFAOs. I won't tell you what it means. I won't tell you what that means. It's, it's, it's not the LMFAO. No, 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 no. Naughty. But when I send a text, I write it in English. I write it as though I'm writing a letter. There will be punctuation. Uh, there will be full words. There will be detailed descriptions. Don't, don't d- d- do a brief... You know, if you're going to write to me, write to me properly. For goodness sakes. 81333. If you want to go to the Facebook page and have a little look, you can see a picture of me with very odd hair holding up some of the booty that I gathered when I was in New York. Go to facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR and uh, you can have a little look at that. Very strange. The hair's getting chopped off uh, on Wednesday. I made a decision uh, at the weekend during my midlife crisis, which is over now, it's, uh, I'm, I, but I've made a decision. I'm going to get healthy, I'm going to eat better really spotty i'm nearly 40 and i've got c- terrible spots i'm gonna get my hair chopped off and i'm i i think i think i'm gonna grow a beard honestly no honestly me with short hair and a beard it will work better than you'd imagine i promise but the midlife crisis is over I had a wonderful time at the weekend i went to new york uh, on the way back the only thing that marred it was the flight back okay now it was an economy yeah the glory days are over. Even if I was rich, I would never pay to go first class or business. Ridiculous amount of money. In economy, I'm cramped in, and I'm a long person, okay? So I'm, I'm, I need as much space as I can get. The lady next to me, now no disrespect, and I don't want this uh, to, to be a, a fat hunt, but the lady next to me was, she was huge. 
She walked past my aisle and I thought, oh God, I'm, I'm glad she walked past and I hope she's not going to sit next to me. And then she came back. And I was like, oh dear, really? And she sat down next to me. She was a very, very big lady. And she spilled into my seat. She spilled over into my seat. And for the next six and a half, seven hours, her legs, her fat arms, her, bo- her, her chest was flowing over into my seat. Now, listen, I'm not sizes in the slightest. I've got a lot of respect for the, the larger person. To quote Cat Stevens, I like big butts, I cannot lie. That's, I think that was one of his songs. But it, it kind of did make me think, and I know this has been, you know, this has been thrown up before, it did make me think, should larger people have to pay a little bit extra for their seats on travelot uh, on, uh, on, on aeroplanes? Should they have to pay a little bit extra? Should there be, and I'm going to say this, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, a fat section... A faction, let's call it, where larger people have slightly bigger seats, but they pay price and a half. Do you think, because my life was made miserable, because, and then when the woman in front put her seat back, it was awful. Awful. 08459 This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, the Football League was shocked this weekend when former Stevenage player Mitchell Cole died at the age of 27. He retired from professional football last year due to a heart condition. Well, Ewan Duncan spoke to close friend and former teammate Ronnie Henry after his match for Luton on Saturday. Ronnie describes hearing the news. I um, was actually asleep this morning and I had a a good three or four or five missed calls from um, teammates from from the past time and I um, ignored them because I was... (laughs) obviously preparing for a game but then a couple more phoned and I um, <clears throat> I realised something was wrong so I answered to uh, one of the calls to Ashley Bays and he gave me the very sad news that Mitchell passed away last night which I, I cannot describe it it, it feels <clears throat> it doesn't feel good at all I mean I, my heart goes out and my thoughts are with with his wife and kids and all the family I mean you cannot describe how bad it is um, a very good mate of mine as well and he um, <clears throat> Went out with him the other week and um, spoke to him. Spoke to him in the week. I mean, a few days ago. And just to hear the news this morning was was un- unbelievable. What are your memories of him? Uh, my memories of Mitchell is a great lad. He's a um, very very fast player and um, and give him the ball and he could uh, he could beat any any fullback on his day. He's, he's a he was a great lad. <clears throat> always smiling, always up for a laugh. Um, a friend of mine that will be um, missed missed gratefully. Yeah. I understand he had another child on the way, is that right? Yeah, it doesn't make it any easier. I mean, he's, <clears throat> he's obviously got children as it is, um, um, not too old, but he's, he's got a, um, a child on, uh, on the way on Friday, so his wife will give birth on Friday to, I think it's their third kid, so all the best to her, but it's just, it's just words I can't describe. I mean, I don't wish that upon anyone. I'm sure there are many highlights of his career, but everyone will remember the goal at Wembley against Kidderminster in that great turnaround victory. Yep, that's it. I mean, you'll see if you if you probably click on YouTube or wherever the um, <clears throat> the goal he scored at Wembley was a was a major part of our um, our team and our, on that day we won the game probably because of him. Good ball knocked down. Mitchell Cole ball in the back of the net. Ewan Duncan speaking there to Ronnie Henry and a little bit of commentary of that famous goal he scored at Wembley there talking uh, about Mitchell Cole, who died uh, at the age of 27. 
Now, just going back, don't get me wrong. I'm not. This is not an attack on fat people in the slightest. I honestly, I really, I. It's not. I know it's an easy target, and I'm not doing that in the slightest. It just, you know, economy on an airplane. One of the concerts I was at as well. I was sat next to these two women, mother and daughter. Oh my, they were huge, and I was squeezed out of my seat. And you just think, come on. You, anyone could look you can look and do whatever you want kids i don't care you know hey you know uh, let's all fly our uh, freak flags but to be that big and to to s- literally spill over into my airline seat when i paid you know a few hundred quid for it it wasn't cheap it's not fair is it is it or am i am i being horrible am i being hideously horrible and unpleasant could you let me know Oh eight four five nine, four double five five double five. Do you agree that there should be a, a fat section, a faction on an aeroplane where the seats are slightly bigger, but they pay a little bit more? If you're over in a certain waist size, you pay a bit more. Or do you think I'm being absolutely horrible and sizeist and, 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 and thoroughly unpleasant? <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up on the show this morning, including Buckinghamshire NHS Trust is named as one of 12 hospitals where death rates are worryingly high. A High Court challenge to the speed rail link which will run through Buckinghamshire. Do you think it should be scrapped or do you think HS2 is a cracking idea? And Union J got kicked out of the X Factor last night. Jamie's from Luton. We'll be having a chat with his mum and the rest of the family before nine. Lots of ways to get in touch. You can go to uh, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Send us a text 81333, starting your text 3CR. Or you can give us a call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hospitals are full to bursting, creating a potentially dangerous environment for patients. The data put together by healthcare analysts at the company Dr Foster suggests one of the problems is high numbers of frail elderly patients who should be treated elsewhere. Well, Buckinghamshire NHS Trust has been named as one of 12 where death rates are worryingly high. Dr Neil Bacon, the founder of the patient website IWantGreatCare.org, says we need more transparency. At the moment, it's easier for you to find out where a good hotel is in your town than to find out whether you've got a good hospital or a great GP. And it's not just the elderly. What people have to, to answer is it's not just about how can you find a great hospital if you're elderly. It's the same for children and it's the same for common conditions that affect all of us. Well, on the line now is Medical Director for the Buckinghamshire Healthcare Trust, Dr Gratz Lucy. Good morning, Doctor. Good morning. These figures sound worrying. Well, I think we're being seriously misrepresented in this report because we are an integrated organisation, which means we have acute hospital beds, but we also have community services. We're unusual in that respect. That's been the case for over two years. We're being compared with acute hospitals. Now, our community services include a hospice and other community settings where we provide end-of-life care, where death is expected, and therefore we are being compared with acute trusts inappropriately in a way that is misleading. So this this, uh, figure saying that the Buckingham NHS Trust has been named as one of 12 where death rates are worryingly high. That's, that's not quite right then. Well, even Dr Foster admits there is an issue in that if you're not comparing like with like, you may not be being 
Uh, fair, you're not using a valid or fit-for-purpose indicator. Limitations of this indicator have been recognised for, for a long term. What we did first and foremost was review quality of care. We looked at uh, individual case records to make sure that the quality of the care we provide could not account for this apparent mortality rate. And if you look at the uh, Care Quality Commission, they corroborate our findings on reviewing care with their random inspection of trusts. As you know, this year, they turned up at our acute hospital sites and mm. they published their report two weeks ago showing that we, uh, Buckinghamshire Healthcare, fulfilled all 16 of their standards of care, whereas a fifth of NHS services breached at least one of those standards. And we also have very low hospital infection rates. So it's really important that I, ensure, that I reassure the public and patients that it isn't quality that could possibly ex explain this figure. And we do have an explanation. It's because we are not like acute hospital trusts. We are a combined well, I was going to say, people, people will be looking at these headlines and will be uh, worried by what they're reading. Um, you would say, don't be worried. I would. I would say, look at other criteria for quality of care. There are lots of valid indicators. Many of them are in the rest of the report. The problem is that Dr. Foster continues to use indicators that look at overall mortality for institutions that may not be comparable. This is a problem recognised in other countries. Their indicator, the HSMR, was effectively replaced by a new government indicator, which is also in the report, but they haven't dropped the HSMR. Both of these indicators have the same limitations, and so they're not used in other countries like the US. Even our premier medical journal in this country recommended that overall uh, indicators of mortality should not be used as indicators of quality. They're not reliable. They shouldn't be used. But Dr. Foster continues to publish them every year. But, but, but Dr. Gratz, of the 700 beds, only 100 are classed as community and palliative care beds. D does that really skew the figure? It absolutely does. I mean, very few trusts are like us, combining community and acute services. Those 100 beds have a high proportion of frail, elderly and terminally ill patients and include a hospice. So, of course, the, the death, the actual figure, the, the number of deaths is bound to be higher. The problem is these ratios are created by applying a complex formula and variations in the application of the formula then give you all sorts of distorted uh, results. But the fundamental issue is we're not an acute hospital. The guide is a guide to hospitals. We are a combination of acute uh, hospital services and community services that include settings where patients actually uh, may be terminally ill and provided for at the end of their lives. I would imagine that you think uh, studies like this are, are, are not particularly helpful. I think that the principle of having meaningful indicators to look at efficiency and quality, if they are valid, and most of the indicators are valid, are important. And as you know, we've performed better than average on three indicators, including admissions after surgery and a range of access to MRI. But the um, overall mortality indicators are only valid if you compare like with like. And I think the work that needs to be done is to look at the differences in the way that hospitals actually are configured you increasingly the landscape of acute care is being provide, provided by different types of hospital that can't be compared in this very simplistic and, and, um, and misleading way. And we, we do think we're being misrepresented. It's comparing oranges with apples, and it's actually damaging to the reputation of the NHS. Uh, the report suggests that hospitals should try and maintain an 85% uh, capacity, and it criticises many for being full to bursting. What capacity is the hospital running to? Well, I mean, it's between 85 and 95%, and the, but that's not unusual because, of course, one wants to make the best use 
of of your of your. The pet. report would suggest that ninety five percent is is slightly alarming. Ninety five percent is higher than ideal, but then we have to accept there's always a balance, isn't there? One can one resources bed capacity is not unlimited, and clearly there are always efficiencies. That one can you do anything find. to reduce that? The, the, again, I think the report suggests that, that there are perhaps people in these beds that perhaps shouldn't be there. Well, I think that's a very important point, and um, you know one of the ways you do that is to look at alternative settings of care outside hospital in the community where um, you can you can provide that care instead of keeping people in hospital and we at Buckinghamshire Healthcare are unusually well placed to do that mm. that is what I the reason we are an integrated trust of acute and community services is to provide that opportunity actually to reduce the need for elderly patients in particular to stay in hospital when they shouldn't be there. Doctor thank you very much for coming on Dr Gratz Lucy there from uh, medical director of the Buckinghamshire Healthcare Trust well uh, Jonathan Vernon Smith will be picking up this baton and running with it a bit later on discussing it on his big phone in today he's asking have you been impressed or disappointed by your local hospital if you want to start getting in touch with him you can email him now if you want uh three uh, no no let me give you his, his his personal email address jvs show at bbc.co.uk have you been impressed or disappointed by your local hospital across beds hearts and bugs this is bbc three counties radio now listen, when I'm talking about this, I'm not going for the cheap laugh, I'm not going for the easy gag. Okay, this is a genuine question. I was on an aeroplane last night, flying back from New York, it's, a, it's six and a half, seven hours. Economy, I'm a tall lad, so I kind of, I'm kind of cramped up in there. A very large, overweight lady sat down next to me, and she was a beast, okay? I hope she's not listening. But she, and it was, she spilled over into my seat. And part of me kind of thought, and I've, I've heard this argument before, so, oh, that's a nonsense, that'd be so r- ridiculous. But, but on this plane flight, I was thinking, well, maybe there should be a section for fat people. The seats are a little bit bigger, so they're more comfortable, because it can't be nice for them being squashed into the seat, and they pay price and a half. You know, why should my journey be made more uncomfortable and it was very uncomfortable this woman spilling over spilling into my seat why should be made more uncomfortable because of someone's unhealthy lifestyle choices oh wait four five nine four double five five double five i genuinely don't know if this is a sensible argument or if i'm being really really offensive and really i don't know i'm tired and i was grumpy yesterday so it may be coming from that correct me if you think i'm being wrong peter am i am i being horrible Good morning, Ian. Good morning, no, Peter. You're, you're not being horrible at all. Really? I am in complete agreement with you at the risk of offending those larger people. However, yep. I, I went, I've been to New York twice myself, uh, four flights, three of them, yep. the same situation mm. as you. I'm glad it happens to other people because I always think it's just me. They walk down the aisle. They go past. You think, I hope it's not going to... Exactly what happened to me last night. I felt terrible for thinking it, but it was true. And you're sort of really wedged in there, aren't you, for that duration of the flight. So I'm I'm kind of thinking if there was an increase in the price of the fares for those... um, Larger people, being yeah. very diplomatic, maybe it would be an incentive for them. And I do appreciate some of them have medical issues, um, so, you know, um, I don't want to offend. No. But it might be that little kick 
they need to lose some of those pounds. It, 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 it does. It does strike. You know, you should. There should perhaps. And this is my suggestion. And look at look how look how carefully, Peter, that we're we're treading around this. You see, are we are we, <laughs> are we gentlemen of the twenty first century? In the eighties, we'd be making all kinds of cracks about it, but we're, we're handling this very well, which is good. But yeah, you, you get a tape measure around your waist. If you're over a certain size, I don't know what that would be. Your your, your fee goes up by fifty percent. I mean. So much agreement, but it's not only on aeroplanes, is it? Theatres well, as no, well? Now, funny you should say oh. that. Sophie Tyler, our travel reporter, has, has sent me a message on, on Twitter. At the theatre last week, a woman behind me was so fat that when she laughed, her stomach wobbled against my head. True story. <laughs> now, and I'm not, I'm not doing this for the laugh. I had a similar thing at one of the concerts I was at on Saturday night. I was squeezed out of my seat. And this isn't... Please, Peter, listen, thank you very much for calling in. This isn't an attack on fat people at all. It's... it's not how this act works you know it would be easy to go on and do that and that's not that's not how i work at all it's a genuine question i'm throwing out there and if you think i'm being offensive if you think i'm being horrible if you think i'm being thoroughly unpleasant and sizest you can call up and and, and say because i don't want to be oh eight four five nine four double five five double five or perhaps you agree with me you perhaps think yes, do you know what yeah if you're taking up more room it to me it seems like common sense it didn't before it happened to me and i'd, I'd heard these arguments before and i thought oh come on now don't be so rude live and let live but yesterday on this plane for seven hours i thought yeah this isn't fair this isn't fair so the travel news now from our theatre going sophie tyler morning it's eight sixteen. it's monday i was just just finding the news don't worry it's Monday the 3rd of December. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Two men have died and four others are in hospital following a crash on the M1 near Watford this morning. The southbound stretch is expected to remain closed between 5 and 4 until 11 o'clock. Campaigners against the proposed high-speed rail link through Buckinghamshire take their fight to the High Court today. In sports, Saracens are up to second in Rugby Union's Premiership. Rugby! After beating Gloucester 28-23. That's what they do, isn't it? They go, rugby! The weather today... They do, don't they, Jonathan? That's what they yeah, do. yeah, they do. Rugby! Yeah. <laughs> the weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. Cloudy, misty and wet morning. Dry and brighter later with top temperature of 8 degrees. Coming up... The judicial reviews into the high-speed rail project proposed to run through the Chilterns begins today at the High Court in London. Before 8.30, we'll speak to the Conservative MP for Chesham and Amersham on the issue. Joined by Jonathan Vernon-Smith, who who's really has lived a life. Um, you, you asked where I stayed in, uh, in New York, and I said, what, the wonderful Holiday Inn? And you pulled a, pulled a face and said, wow, what are you doing that for? It was functional. <laughs> it was functional. I was checking out of the hotel at 4.30 on Saturday, Sunday morning. And I'd, I'd uh, d- d- heard a really drunk English voice. I was thinking, oh, please, think, oh, don't look, please don't look at me. I'm just signing for these movies that I paid. I watched Spider-Man in my hotel room, all right? What's wrong with that? Three times, yeah? So what? I'll pay for it, I don't mind. Uh, and then as I'm signing the bill, the guy went, it's that geezer off the telly! <laughs> and I looked at him and I went, no. It's not. He went, yeah, you are, you're the bloke off E4. Ian something. I've never been on E4 in my life. And I, I had to do the... Yeah, hi, good morning, how are you doing? It was awful. Did they, uh, did they like you in, on reception after that, though? Did, you, did they give you any little specials? Well, <laughs> it was only Sp- Spider-Man, it was a new Spider-Man film. I, watched, well, I paid to watch that three times, what's wrong with that? Oh, it's uh, a bit strange. Is that all you watched? 
You must be all over the place. Did you get any sleep? Are you all right? I got a little bit of sleep on the plane when I could, when I wasn't being squashed by this this lady. But you went to New York. I saw no famous people. You went to New York. D- tell the listener who you saw. I had the ultimate New York experience. I was walking through Central Park. <laughs> I had that as well, but anyway, that's by the by. And uh, as I'm walking through Central Park, there's this man walking with a woman. Yes. And I thought, he looks familiar. Yeah. It was Woody Allen. How, how cool is that? Woody Allen Fantastic. and his wife were walking towards me. Yeah. I thought, this is amazing. And what did you say to him? Nothing. Whoa. I tried to take my, my camera out of my pocket so I could take a photo, but unfortunately my trousers were a bit tight because of all the burgers I'd been eating, yeah. and I couldn't get my phone out quickly enough, and by the time they'd gone past... See, Woody Allen, I don't, I don't go up to famous people, because, you know, they're just, hey, they're just ordinary people like you and me. <laughs> but Woody Allen is so famous that I would yeah. break that, I would break that rule. And would go you? Up to, yeah, I would, yeah. I would totally go up but to But everyone him. was ignoring him in Central Park. Yeah. Everyone, you know, it was just Woody Allen. So if I'd gone up, I think he might have thought I was a bit of a wally. I tell you, who cares what Woody Allen thinks about you? You've got to go up and say, all right, Woody, can I get a picture? Hey! <laughs> Raga! <laughs> You've got to do that. Well, I didn't, I'm afraid. Well, you're You'll just have to believe me that I saw you. <laughs> I promise you. Oh, it went half cold over there. Yeah, it's freezing, isn't it? Oh, it was icy. Oh, chilly. It hurts to breathe in November in New York. Yeah, it does. It certainly does. Fond times. Great memories. Back to the real world. Well, we're, we're very happy to have you back. What's on your show this morning? Coming up at nine this morning, have you been impressed or disappointed by your local hospital? An annual guide to safety in England's hospitals is warning that some wards are pressured to the point of being potentially dangerous. The data from healthcare analysts at a company called Dr Foster suggests that safe care is under threat because of the numbers of frail and elderly patients who should be treated elsewhere. The Health Secretary, Jeremy Hunt, denies the NHS is overcrowded but Roger Taylor from Dr Foster says there are real stresses being faced in hospitals every day. Well, from nine this morning, I want to hear what things are like in our local hospitals here in Beds, Hearts and Bucks. Have you been impressed or disappointed by the care at your local hospital? If you've been in uh, a hospital within the last six months or so, mm. what was it like? Brilliant? Or did you think, oh my word, everything's falling apart. They don't seem to know what's going on. I don't have trust that the quality of care is still good. 08459 455 555. I shall look forward to listening to that. Very quickly, we've got a meeting after your show. Yes. To discuss our Boxing Day special. Oh, yes. So, all I'm saying is, I've got to stick around... Because you wouldn't come in early for the meeting. You wouldn't come in at five. So I've got to stick around until quarter past twelve. So... Just get there sharpish. Okay. Is that okay? Sharp my new shoes. <laughs> Don't put new shoes on the table. Take ah. them off. Don't you never put new shoes on the table? Why? What happens? It, it's, it means someone's going to die. Oh no! Not again. If you want to <laughs> get in touch with Jonathan, you can do. I send him an email now. Uh, JVS Show at BBC.co. See you later on. Thank you very much. How rude. JVS Show at BBC.co.uk. The BBC in beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. I won't tell you what he did as he left the studio, but he stuck his fingers up at me. Now, the judicial review into the high-speed rail project proposed to run through the Chilterns begins today at the High Court in London. Over the next nine days, a judge, a judge will decide whether the government followed the cor- correct process when granting permission for the controversial project earlier this year. The review may result in the government acknowledging and correcting any failures, but protest groups hope they take the opportunity to put a stop to the project. Well, Cheryl Gillen is Conservative MP for Chesham and Amersham. She joins me now. Morning, Cheryl. Good morning, Ian. You've been pretty outspoken, uh, opponent to these plans, haven't you? Why? 
Well, um, first of all, I don't think that this project is uh, good value for money for the taxpayer. Uh, it cuts a huge way through um, our area of outstanding natural beauty in the Chilterns. But quite frankly, over the years as I've studied this project, I actually don't think that this is the right project for the UK, leave alone for uh, the Chilterns and Chesham and Amersham. Uh, I think that there are some alternatives, and I don't think government has looked at what they're doing with the rest of the transport system and seems to be ploughing ahead with HS2. Well, the, the, the argument that's being used this time are the flaws that were presented uh, in the initial the presentation. What, what flaws are they, Cheryl? Can you just highlight a few of those for us? Yeah, no, of course, because I think it's quite a complex process, really, for people to understand. Um, there are several people that have taken these reviews. Um, the HS2 Action Alliance, which, as you quite rightly say, is a protest group, and they're complaining uh, that there has been failure to follow the environmental regulations and that there's a lack of uh, adequate information uh, on compensation um, and uh, the affected properties. 51M, which is the councils along the route, um, they allege failure on the environmental regulations. Uh, they're challenging the economic case. Um, they're saying that the government failed to consult correctly um, or consider the impact on the London Underground and failed to uh, account on the uh, environmental impact on the Chilterns. Uh, so that is um, a, a big challenge. The Heathrow Hub Group has got a challenge in um, about um, improving the connection. Um, and a golf club has got it on because of the impact of the route going through that. Cheryl, did you notice any of these mistakes kind of happening when you were in the Cabinet? Um, to be fair, this is a fairly complex and detailed uh, process, and uh, this sort of matter would never be discussed at Cabinet level, but obviously um, in the constituency, of course, um, I'm quite well aware of the sort of failures that people are alleging, because I've been complaining about the same uh, misdemeanours, if you like, or, or, or problems uh, at the same time, because they all add up to... I think, um, some fairly serious rethinking that the government needs to do. But, of course, it's a judicial process, and now we have to see uh, what the judge, Mr Justice Oosley, thinks when he hears this over the next eight days. We've spoken to some people this morning, Cheryl, who are hoping that the government may use this opportunity to kind of quietly and, and perhaps less embarrassingly make a U-turn on the project as a whole. Is that a realistic expectation? Um, I would like to think that it's one of the possibilities, but there is a huge uh, drive and political will to go ahead uh, with this project. And, of course, the remedies for judicial review um, are fairly limited. Um, there's there's some, some orders that can be made, prohibiting orders or mandatory orders, um, even a quashing order, which would mean that the government's got to go back to the drawing board but I'm hoping that this will be a sufficient jolt for the government to re-examine uh, this project because even on a, a simple basis, easy to understand, if you're reviewing your airport capacity in the southeast, why are you going ahead with this railway before you know where your hub airport is going to be, for example? Cheryl, for, uh, finally, the chief executive of HS2 is going to be joining us on the show after 8.30. What's the one key question you want answering? Um, have they looked in detail at all the alternatives to this project because at the moment this project could turn out to be the biggest white elephant and the biggest waste of government money or taxpayers money by a government that has ever taken place since the second world war 
Cheryl Gillan, Conservative MP for Cheshire and Amersham. Thank you very much indeed. On FM, AM and online, BBC Three Counties Radio. I have just seen... Listen, I've seen a lot of things. I've lived. Oh, I've lived. I've seen some terrible things. I think I've just seen one of the most terrible things... Happen. We have a, a, a young work experience girl here, uh, uh, Louisa, who I be, uh, believe is going to be filling in for work experience Ollie. And I just saw Jonathan Vernon Smith. The, 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 the way this works is I have a studio. I'm in a studio on my own. And next to me on my left is uh, the kind of the, the, the hub where the production team are furiously working away. And then through that, on the other side is, is Jonathan's studio. I just saw Jonathan walk into his studio, look at his chair with, with disgust kind of walk out, then go into the middle section where my production team are, and to this poor, young, work-experienced girl, it's probably day one of her, her dream to work in, in radio and the BBC and media, Jonathan just barked at her. I couldn't hear what he said because we're the soundproof glass, but it looked very... Pointed at her, pointed at the chair, then got his thumb and jerked it up in the air as if to say, get off. The poor girl had tears in her eyes... He snatched the chair from her as she was stood up and wheeled it out laughing. Now, I, now I'm not a brilliant lip reader, but I think I, saw, I think I saw some indoor language being used as well. Inappropriate to use that. Now, that's Jonathan Vernon Smith, who's on from nine o'clock. You still want to listen to that guy? Really? Believable. Uh, text, it's 20 years since the first text was sent to the very day. I've been asking you to send in uh, the, the last text you sent and the last text you received. Uh, last text between me and my son from Tommy Milton Keynes. Uh, my son is in Australia. From him. No, he hasn't. Hope it's not too cold there. From uh, Tom to his son, it's been below freezing the last three nights. <laughs> I love it. Last text sent, I thought Simon was do- doing the tiling. Mr Brown's moving the soil pile. Hmm... What's that all about? That's implying... Is that implying there's been a... No. Heading home now, Mother. Uh, the old mobiles with the aerials connected to nothing. The aerials were the first apps. Andrew Sadding, that's why I said. The, the, the original mobile phones, the aerials did absolutely nothing. And uh, one more, two more texts. The, the last text sent uh, from David. Thermostat to turn heating down is on wall on right, just out of the hall door bathroom of stairs. I had to send a similar text to my wife about bleeding radiators when I was in New York. She texted me, how do I bleed a radiator? And finally, last text sent uh, from Sophie and Baldock. Uh, Morning, sitting in traffic, and I know we've got to bite the bullet. Do it. Just do it. No faffing, no moaning, no discussion. Just do it. Well, isn't that exciting? Powerful people. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. 30 minutes of the show before Jonathan Vernon Smith. Coming up, we speak to the mum of uh, one of the people kicked out of the X Factor uh, at the weekend. And we sent our reporter, Gareth Lloyd, to investigate the traffic on the M1. Yeah, he drove there. He's stuck in it. We'll find out exactly how bad it is in just uh, a few minutes. Now, HS2, the high-speed rail line, which, uh, if it goes ahead, will span through the Children's and Buckinghamshire. It's back in the limelight, because a judge will decide whether the government followed the right process when granting permission for the controversial project, which, uh, let's not forget, is going to spend, well, we've 34 million? We've heard maybe as much as 50 uh, billion, billion, excuse me, 34 billion. Alison Munro is the chief executive of High Speed 2. Previously, she was a director in the uh, Department for Transport. She joins me now. Good morning, Alison. Good morning. 
Those against, uh, say, the business case for HS2, uh, um, they say it's based on unrealistic ins- assumptions, the environment impact has not been assessed, and the money it will cost could be spent on better things. What do you say to them? This is a project that the country needs. Our railways are becoming increasingly crowded. The number of people using the railways over the last 15 years has doubled. And by the middle of the next decade, essentially, the railway will be full. So this is vital infrastructure that we need. It's good for our cities, it's good for our towns, it's good for the economy, and it's good for jobs. Why why is it good for the towns? Because it will... shrink the economic geography, bringing our cities closer together. It will make them better places to do business in, better places to work, so they'll be much better connected, and that will help regenerate our cities. That's fine if if you live in London or Birmingham, but if you're kind of... you don't live in those places, you're excluded, really. And, and, And you're saving, what, 18 minutes on a journey? The benefits of this railway go much wider than the places just on the high-speed network. So the trains will run on to the existing railway, so places like um, Liverpool and and Glasgow can be served by uh, trains running from the high-speed line. But also, importantly, it will take trains off the existing railway, releasing uh, capacity on the existing railway. So places like Milton Keynes, for example, could see a doubling in their services as well. So this is much more than just about the high-speed line itself. Alison, how does it really help? Uh, us here in beds hearts and bucks because we're the ones that are going to be suffering but getting very little of the reward we all need a strong economy and a good transport infrastructure is essential for a strong economy so we all benefit from that and this this project will have a major effect there it will bring our cities closer together it will tackle the problems of congestion on our railways and it will support um, growth in jobs 34 billion pounds we had a figure this morning 50 billion pounds why so much money this is a major infrastructure this will be the backbone of a new transport network for the 21st century so this is a big investment but it also will have a big effect on the economy so uh, these projects are not cheap but they bring a lot of benefits do you live anywhere near where it's going to be um, built I don't really think that's relevant. What this, this project is about, um, a project to help the country, to help the economy. That's why the government is, just, is pressing it, forward with the high-speed railway. It's just railway. a question. Do you live anywhere near where it's going to be built? As I said, I live in London. I don't really okay. think that's relevant. Well, no, the, the relevance London is... certainly benefit no, from this. the relevance is that we have a lot of people listening to this, this show who do live near where it's going to be built, who are being forced out of their homes, who are having their businesses closed, who are being forced to move, who are going to have their lives... Uh, uh, disrupted by this. We, Wh- what would you say to them? The concerns of, of people who are affected by the getting route, kicked out of your home. How would you feel if you were kicked out of your home? We of course understand the concerns. How would you feel, Alison, if you were kicked route, out of your this home? Is a project, this is a project for the national economy. Yeah. It will help our jobs. It uh, will tackle the problems. How would you feel if you were kicked out of your home because of a train line? You wouldn't be very happy, would you? Well, the, gov- the government has to take decisions, sometimes difficult decisions, okay. that are in the national interest. This is a project that the country needs. As I say, okay. our railways are becoming increasingly crowded, and, uh, and the government needs to act now, because by the middle of the next decade, um, the railway will be full, the southern section Cheryl of the Gillen, West Coast MP, says this could be the biggest white elephant since the Second World War. To, to what extent have you considered the alternative options? 
There was a lot of work looking at the alternative options, but high-speed rail, a new line, is the only way of providing okay. enough capacity to tackle the problems that are emerging on our railways and also to, to bring the wider economic benefits of bringing our cities okay. closer together we, yeah, we, yeah, okay. and supporting the uh, regeneration so of both of our cities. We've got 20 seconds. To, to, to people who are listening who are being kicked out of their homes and having their businesses closed, your message to them is? The message is this is a project that, that the country needs. So... We need, to, we need to take it forward. We will address their concerns as best we can, but this is a project that will bring jobs and help the economy in the future for future generations. Alison Munro, thank you very much indeed. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. <clears throat> so, you're getting kicked out of your house, compulsory purchase, your business is closing down. It's what the country needs, huh? It's what the country needs, okay? So just put up with it. Uh, we're talking, uh, we're, we're going to get a caller on that in a second, hopefully, but we're, just, we're, we're talking as well this morning. We're all over the place. Larger people. And this is not, I'm not, I'm not going for any of the cheap gags. This is not a dig at, at fat people or anything like that. It, it's an experience I had at the weekend, okay? <clears throat> I'm a bus driver, some text. I'm a bus driver in Hemel and frequently see large people taking up double, seat, double seats with other passengers having to stand. Hi there, uh, Ian. I think people should be charged by weight, like they do with our baggage. Now, hey, whoa, that's not a bad idea. For this fat tax, Ian, you're going to have to be sure it's because of overeating and not taking steroids or having side effects of weight gain from certain medication. Yeah, listen, steroids and, and medication, they can make you bigger. They can't make you as big as this woman I was sat next to yesterday. I, I've seen the effects of steroids, and the, yeah, but no, it's not that. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Uh, HS two. I've been asking all morning. Can you call in if you're a civilian? If you support HS two, you'll jump straight to the front of the queue if you think it's a good idea. Brian's in Letchworth. Good morning, Brian. Morning, Ian. Why is it a good idea? Well, I'm a retired railway su- supervisor, and I'd just like to point out to. Your listeners, in case they don't know, in, two th- in 2010, Network Rail finished a multi-million pound upgrade of the West Coast Main Line. And I've heard the argument put forward that they should upgrade the West Coast Main Line. They can't. There's nothing else to do. The West Coast Main Line is completely full. And a- HS2 is not just a question of speed, it's a question of capacity. There's no sign of the demand for rail slackening off. On the contrary, the exact opposite is happening and i would remind people in buckinghamshire Mm. that they're probably only only kicking off because it's going to how dare they put something through buckinghamshire and lower the value of their two million pound houses but you can understand that though can't you you can understand as well people are being forced out of their houses to make way for this they're going to get generous compensation yeah, but oh, listen, Brian. The amount of it is going in tunnels, and Cheryl Gillam, the like, MP you were speaking to some yeah. time ago, yeah. some uh, some minutes ago, when she was in the cabinet, she was one of the one of the most vociferous supporters of it. Selective amnesia is a wonderful thing, Brian. You, yeah, they're going to get they're going to get uh, compensation, but yeah. really, getting kicked out of your home though for a train, really, find out you, you know it's your home. Yes, yes, but the, uh, but people, people, and there've been questions as well as about the figure that they're going to receive. Well, they're they're going to receive probably 
probably as as much as as much as the current value. Really? Of the, 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 that's not that's not definite, Brian. That's not definite. We know that. I, I remember we spoke to someone on this show a while ago. They're still waiting to find out what the figure's going to be. Well, w- w- they're going they're going to re- they're going to receive 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 something in many parts of the world. They just be they just be bulldozed. You can't compare us to the other parts of the world where you just be bulldozed down. I don't quite know what that part of the world would be, but it's, it's not going to happen. Brian, listen, you're in support. Thank you very much. It's what I asked for, and it's what I got. Paul in Bletchley has called in as well. Paul, you're a, a supporter of HS2 as well, are you? That is correct. Why, yes, why do we need it? Why is it such a good idea? Well, at the moment, all, all the eggs are in one basket. We had quite a bad derailment at Bletchley about six, nine months ago, which closed all four lines, which paralysed everything, you know, Glasgow trains, everything, Liverpool, Manchester, Birmingham, you know. I mean, there is the Chilton line to go on. So, um, I mean, as, as the previous caller said, capacity is only going to go up or demand for railways is going up. Um, population of the country is increasing. I mean, all this business about the Chilterns, it's going in a tunnel for about 15 miles under the Chilterns. So there's very little, you know, it's, it's going to be disruption of the building of it. But mm. once it's in, I mean, if anybody's ever gone down the M2 near the Medway towns, the, the Eurostars go through there. And you wouldn't even know they were there unless you turn around to look at them because they're so smooth, unbelievable, you know. So there's an awful lot of, um, you know, fair enough. It's it's the unknown, isn't it? But but I think it's got it's got it's got to go somewhere. And the route they've chosen, which is tracking a lot of the old Great Central Line, um, it, it's a good route. Basically, you're going to have a big interchange at uh, Old Oak Common at the back of Wilston, where it will link in with Heathrow Express. Well, Paul, ah, no, you mentioned Heathrow Express. Paul, let me let me put this to you because yeah. you, you you work for Network, Network Rail, okay? I did, but, yeah, yeah, for many years. But yeah. Bob in Amersham has just texted in on, on the point that you kind of alluded to there. How can it be the right option? If it doesn't even have a direct connection with Heathrow Airport, well, it doesn't well, go directly to Heathrow. That, that doesn't make sense, it's does it? Economic to do it. Well, you will have a very good connection because you'll get off at Old Oak Common, which is the back of Wilson, and you'll, and you'll be able to get onto the high speed or the Heathrow Expresses. So, and they might put a spur on when it, once it's built. There's yeah. a provision to put a spur into Heathrow. So, um, you know, they, they have looked at it all, but. Um, as I say, it'll track the old Great Central, which was a, a great line because the gradients on it when it was built was only one in two hundred. <laughs> Paul, listen. Oh, yeah, go on. <laughs> no, I just love the passion that you've got about trains, and then yes, just yes. we and we've well, had a normal English conversation. Then just right at the end, yes. you exposed yourself as as a train train geek, and well, well done, sir. Yeah, but you, you look at a car, you, a, a gentleman or person drives from London to Birmingham, one yeah. person in a one-ton car. Oh, I love it, trains. I, I'm, a bi- I'm, I'm a big yeah, fan of yeah. travelling by train, definitely, yeah. absolutely, definitely. But yeah. I, I'm just, I'm impressed by your passion for them, Paul, and, and good for you okay. for having that passion. Lovely. Thank you for calling in, mate. Thank Cheers. You. There we go, Paul in Bletchley. Just, just right at the end, just slipped in a little thing about the great. I love it. Excellent. Good work, Paul. Thank you very much indeed. 08459 555. Oh, I've, uh, I went crazy with the, mach- with the buttons there. Can, can we queue up the, <laughs> the travel bed? I got very excited and I uh, bumped the buttons twice and it all got a little bit excited and a bit psychedelic. I think, l- let's just calm down, everybody. I know it's the travel news. I know it's Sophie Tyler. We all love her, but let's just try again. Here we go. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. I'm getting- <laughs> I'm getting told off by my producer who's noticed that actually perhaps I'm not paying full attention to the show. Yeah, maybe I'm, I'm liking pictures on Facebook. Sorry about that. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, as you've been hearing all morning, the M1 is closed southbound between uh, Junction 5, A41 for Watford, and Junction 4 for Edgware due to a fatal accident earlier on this morning. There's queuing traffic to Junction 6A uh, uh, of the M25. Our reporter, Gareth Lloyd, has been stuck in it with you this morning. Ian, I've now been sitting on the M1 southbound uh, for more than two hours uh, due to the accident happening between Junction 5 and Junction 4. Junction 5 is the A41 for Watford and Junction 4 is the A41 for Edgware. The accident happened at around 2.40 this morning and it's about half a mile south of Junction 5. Uh, The northbound carriageway was closed for a short time between 6 and 7 o'clock this morning but that has now fully reopened and traffic moving very freely on the northbound side. But here on the southbound side, as I say, I've been here for a number of hours in this uh, solid traffic, not going uh, very far at all. Now, we're hearing this accident is a very serious accident. A report of a two-vehicle collision uh, between junctions 5 and 4 on the southbound carriageway. Uh, Two men have died and four others have been hospitalised following this uh, road traffic collision. Uh, Two of the men were taken to St Mary's Hospital in Paddington and the other two men with serious injuries uh, taken to Watford General Hospital. Northbound, moving freely southbound between Junction 5 and 4, closed at present. And we are hearing that due to the investigation work that now has to take place on the motorway, uh, the M1 southbound could be closed for most of the morning uh, with diversions being put in place and vehicles leaving the M1 at Junction 5, but very heavy from Junction 6 down to Junction 5. So if people are trying to plan their routes, maybe consider getting off higher around the Hemel Hempstead St Albans areas and making uh, diversion routes and plan there as between six and five like where I've been all morning uh, along with many other people uh, that is where the traffic is its heaviest and uh, vehicles just aren't moving anywhere this morning thank you very much uh, Gareth uh, for that now X Factor I was gonna, gonna sing the X Factor theme but I don't know how it goes it's like that isn't it it's like kind of it's that sort of noise anyway I don't really watch it but it was the X Factor semi-finals over the weekend so did Luton lad Jamie Hensley make it through to the final of the X Factor with Union J? No, he did not. But he did very, very well to get that far. And we're proud of him here. And so is Jamie's mum. Good morning, Jackie! Good morning. Oh, dear. How are you feeling this morning? <laughs> Tired. Really? Was there a bit of a shindig last night? Uh, no, not too much. We, we did all get together sort of separately from everybody else afterwards, backstage with the boys and the families, and we had a drink and toasted them and it, it was lovely actually the boys were fabulous and they went out with such dignity and class and you know it was just one of those things what can you say I didn't get the votes didn't get the votes but you <laughs> as a mum though mm. seeing your boy up there singing mm. and dancing on the biggest show on tv you must have been dead proud oh i can't i can't express how proud i am of him it's all he's ever wanted to do um it's it's all he he's fantastic at it and yeah i just wanted the world to hear him sing and that's what they've done now really well he's had something like 12 million people watch it yeah. every week <laughs> yeah. he's, he, this has got a, a kick-started the, the, a career hasn't it is well, there any interest from record labels or anything uh, yeah well they don't give us much information on the show right. <laughs> they keep us all in a little bubble as you know yeah. um and yeah we've we've had you know there's there are labels interested in them and um they've got a manager and and louis really supportive of Brilliant. them so this isn't the end of Union J, it's just the beginning. <laughs> when is Jamie coming back to Luton? Um, we think he might be coming home later today, because oh. they have um, sort of TV appearances they have to make this morning. 
Um, they've been on daybreak and now they're going to be on it's, this morning. Is daybreak still going? Wow. Daybreak. Yeah, we see you don't see it. stumbles you're, along. You're in your little, your little bubble. You're I'm in my own little morning. BBC bubble, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> 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 but yeah, they, he should be home at some point today, we hope. Um, that's what we're hoping. But we're a bit gutted for sort of Luton and the other boys' fans because they would have done homecomings. Has he, well, I was going to say, has he been out, like, down the local shops or anything since he's been on X Factor? Yeah, and yeah he, went, he went to Aston when he came home the other week. And, and well, I against us and a, a can of pop but and, and did, was he was he getting mobbed were girls going up to him <laughs> and crying did, i wasn't with him but apparently he kind of had his, his jacket pulled up and his hat on and his head down but he did get a load of people come running up to him yeah apparently and sort of screaming and they would just scream and cry um but we went up to the studio yesterday early because we had to do a bit of filming before and we walked around and they had been camped out all night the wow. day cats they've wow. been camped out all night and they screamed at us when we walked down the road sorry they, the, the fans are called the J cats See, look, well, listen, you know, you know you've made it when your fans have got their own little they've, nickname. They've had that, yeah, since the boys were Triple J, they've been called the J-Cats, yeah. Wonderful. And they're amazing. I mean, I, my Twitter has been going off for uh, all morning, since six o'clock this morning and last night, and they're all saying we've let the boys down and it's our fault, we didn't vote enough. And yeah, J-Cats, your fault, J-Cats. It's not their fault. They, they are fabulous, the J-Cats. They support them so well. They're lovely. Is, is, uh, is Nan there? Is Betty Nanny there? Nanny is here. Would you like to have a word with Miss Nanny? I would love a word with Nanny, yes, right. please. Nanny Betty. I shall pass you on to Betty. Thank you very much. Um, hello. Hello. Now, do I, do, do I call you Nanny? Are you a Nanny, a Nan or a Gran? No, I'm not a grand. Oh, no, 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 Ooh. no. I am Nan, thank you very no, much. Okay, Nan, no, no, may I just say, no disrespect to, to, to Jamie or Jackie, but both of whom I've heard speak, you're dead posh. I'm posh, am I? Yes. I'm not really, love, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's, cause, it's because I'm old, young man. Oh, I see, you're, you, you, you've brought up properly. What kind of music do you like listening to? Like Glenn Miller and Nat King Cole, oh, that kind no, of stuff? Mario Lands is the only singer that's ever been in my book, I'm afraid. Really? I'm a bit of Mario? Yeah, oh, yeah, just slightly, yeah. Just fanatical about Mario Lands. What do you think of Jamie's music? Well, I'm not in the pop world, young man, but of course Jamie has a beautiful voice, and he's always wanted this. He's wanted it since he was so little. And he's a performer, and that's come over, and I think that's wonderful. And was he always a bit of show, like at Christmas parties and stuff? Would he always, you know, when he was a little boy, would he come out and do little shows and sing and things like that? Well, we've always been involved with music in the town anyway, because we used to be in a show group and used to come with us. We yeah. were always entertained at the old people's homes in Luton. Yeah. And he's always been there, but he's always wanted to sing for his living. Always. <sighs> And it was looking like he's going to have a, a, a blooming good chance of doing that as well. This is, oh, this, I think this, a very, very, very good chance, yes. This has probably kick-started something off. How exciting was it for you, as a nan, on a Saturday night, well, turning on the telly and seeing your boy there? Well, what I've had here, I've had my little gang come to join me, you see. Yeah. But they get very nervous, and I don't. I'm not the nervous type. So, um, they're all shaking like leaves, and I'm just sitting there thinking, because I know how good... I mean, I'm not into the pot world, but they are a very good group. Even I can see that. Now, you're not into the pop world. Um, can, can I ask you a, a question? I'm going to yeah. throw a question at you. Yeah. Have you heard of Paul Simon, the singer? No. <laughs> the show, the show's... Not. You've never heard of Paul Simon? The show's gone full circle this morning. Who's, we started who's, off... Who's Paul Simon? If you be my bodyguard, I can be a long lost... Oh, my God. Da, yeah. da, da, da. The, you don't know who Paul Simon is. Have you heard of Simon and Garfunkel? Oh yes, of course. That's Paul Simon. Oh, that's Paul Simon, is it? Oh yeah, but it wouldn't still wouldn't have been my thing, even with Paul Simon or Simon Garfunkel. Well, are you looking forward to, to seeing, seeing Jamie when he comes back? 
Well, yeah, just a bit. Yeah. <laughs> you gonna, do you give him, like, big, big... I, I'm old, you see. My daughter's sitting in this show, and you're old. No, you're not old. Oh, yes, give, I am. Give her a... I'm very old. How old are you? I'm 81 next month. Are you really? Yes, I am. I thought you sounded like a young gran. Oh, well, that's... You. Oh, fa- well, you can still give, give Jackie, a, you know, the, the slap. You can still do that. Your, your generation did that, and you're allowed to as a mum. My mum still gives me a wallop every well, now and then. Wallop now, oh, if I'm, if I'm out of line. My mum's in a wheelchair, so I can avoid oh, her pretty quickly, her. but she still, she still leans forward to try and give me a, a bit of a slap. Good for her. Good, Good for, for her. her. No. Listen, it's lovely to see you. I, I, I'm, you know, give, give him, are you going to give him a big nan hug and a big wet kiss when you see him? To my Jamie, yeah, no, he's not, and we don't really do that sort oh. of thing. No. He comes and gives me a kiss and says Good hello, Nan, and goodbye, Nan. But that's about all, really. You know? It's lovely to speak to you. Enjoy Thank the rest you. of the day. Thank you for coming Thank on the you phone. Very much. Are you going back to Jackie now? Uh, no, I'm, uh, we're going to finish now. Oh, are we? All yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. Nice to have spoken to you, young man, as well. And you too. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There we go. They're lovely. <laughs> I've got a nan now. If you missed it last, last week or the week before, I've got a nan. We'll get, we must get her on the show this week, see how my nan's doing. It's not my real nan. I've adopted her as, as part of this show, so um, that's good. Oh, wasn't that lovely? It's, it's nice. Fantastic. What a lovely way to end the show. Uh, Mick has uh, emailed in uh, about the HS2. The HS2 supporters say it's needed, but so are more schools, more money on the NHS, police, etc. Surely these are needed before HS2. Money in these areas can create more jobs. I would not want to be forced from my home no matter what. You should ask all supporters about that when they come on to it. Well, listen, Mick, I'm sure we'll be talking about it again. Um, and we will uh, no doubt follow that. And we'll put that question to them next time they come on. If you're wondering what the Paul Simon question was about, go and listen to the first hour on iPlayer. It'll become clear. Well, there we go. I think we got away with it. I think we got away with it. We found out this morning that most of my team have no idea that Paul Simon is the bloke from Simon and Garfunkel. We also discovered that Jonathan Vernon Smith is a bully who would steal a chair off a young lady. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Not quite how it happened, but thank you anyway, Ian.